When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome. Oh my gosh. Look at this man. Oh, is he sponsoring this show? Is it... Are we sponsored by Cody Rhodes? Um, <clears throat> might as well be. We were at uh WWE this past week, Jeremy. If you couldn't tell, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was, <laughs> I was live at raw on, uh, on Monday and, uh, Picked up some Cody Rhodes swag. So I see that. Yeah. Shout out Gunnar Mathis, the homie. He he waited in line before I even got to the show to grab me this uh this autographed uh promo and this this t-shirt. He was there before the show even uh even started letting people in. So you know, and then I went and got more stuff uh during uh during one of the matches. I yeah, dude. I yeah, we'll we'll, t- we'll talk we'll talk more about you know Raw and uh, your experience at SmackDown as we get into the show, but uh, welcome to the show, everybody, as people trickle in. Hey, Jeremy, how's it going? Good. You caught me completely off guard with your your Cody Rhodes swag now because you were wearing none of this. You had a shirt on, but I couldn't see what the shirt actually was. Uh, that was strategic. We that show. was strategic, Jeremy. You were... was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big reveal right here. As I'm sure oh, you would, guys could imagine, I... Uh, yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about my raw experience. Cody Cody Rhodes country in Atlanta, Georgia this past Monday. Yeah, it got um, beat up. Well, I mean, we don't have to talk so much about that, but we'll talk <laughs> about, you know, we talk about the rest of my experience at that show. Um but yeah, how, how's everyone doing today? Good to see people in the chat. If you got a lot of any super chats, feel free to send them. We'll make sure to put them on the screen. We'll read them out. We'll uh we'll answer your questions, read your statements, all that kind of kind of stuff. Um Jeremy Pedower's interview later today as well, around 11 a.m. Eastern time. I think you'll really enjoy that. 
Gary Padauer is the chief brand officer of Jazzwares. So if you're familiar with these AEW figures, especially like the ones that I've got behind me, um, he's responsible for those. And also Jack's Classic Superstar is one of the most iconic lines in action figures uh, for wrestling and got a whole bunch of stuff. I, I, I asked him about my Dave and Buster's NFTs at one point. So y'all, yeah, there's, there's a, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff in there. So um, he buries NFTs, which was fantastic. Well, he doesn't bury NFT. He, well, he does, nah, he, he does the buried most, NFTs. He does the most logical explanation I've ever seen anyone <laughs> give of NFTs um, of explaining what the potential value in them could be. But yes, if you want to, yeah, I don't want to give too much away from the interview. Y'all see that at a, at 11 a.m. Eastern time. <clears throat> it's about a, it's about like, and I think it was like an hour and 15 minutes long. Yeah, we went so, over an hour. I think it's the longest interview we've ever done, honestly. I think so. I'm glad though. I mean, that was, that was awesome. We were expecting to do like a half hour and then it was just like, it was going well. And he, he told us like, to just like keep going pretty much. It was like, this is awesome. So, and he also has said he wants to do a, a part two at some point with us also. Like he, he, Sounds down to to come on again, which is awesome. So <clears throat> there there has been a little controversy, by the way, Jeremy, since last time since we talked to Jeremy Fidauer. The the timing of this interview is interesting. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw people in the in the mentions. Um, first off, or circling back for a second, shout out to Big Dick MLJ for the intro. Okay. Absolutely, um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw in the the comments when you were plugging the interview that the. Uh, that some people were unhappy with apparently there was a mess up with Allie slash the bunny and, and her figure in the latest line, <laughs> which this was revealed at like San Diego comic-con, which took place after the interview. We, we actually did this interview last week. Usually we do the interviews the week that we run them, but we did this interview last week with, with Jeremy um, and San Diego comic-con was this past weekend. So yeah, this interview actually happened before all of that. Exactly. So, <clears throat> so we, we obviously, we don't talk about that, um, but yeah, I'm not sure exactly what happened there either. I guess I could ask Jeremy and see if he wants to give us any kind of answer on that, like off air that we can we can give to y'all. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to clear my throat here. Got some water. Um, the uh, I but yeah, the 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 controversy more more or less is that what it what it seems like. I think they were they were advertising the bull the bunny alley as a figure in series thirteen. Um, and they, they're doing the Butcher and the Blade still as regular releases, but they, they replaced the Bunny. I'm not sure who they replaced her with, because like they're like Sting, Wardlow. can't remember who all is in that set. But they still are putting out the Bunny, but it's going to be like a Chase figure. So it's going to be one of you know, 5,000 or whatever. And so it's still going to be out there, but it's going to be harder to find and I do understand the frustration if you're a fan, because like you're like the butcher and the blade are finally coming out. You would want to get the butcher, the blade and the bunny all together, but you're going to have to like hunt down the bunny. And that's going to go for premium prices, probably if they don't, you know, if they're, if they're rare and people are having a hard time finding them and stuff like that. So I get it. But at the same time, please don't let that one thing take away from the interview. You are going to hear at 11 because that thing is packed with an hour and 15 minutes of like legitimate good information and Jeremy's a really nice guy. I mean, you just Thank super, you. super cool. The other Jeremy <laughs> is a super nice guy. Really, really cool. Um, totally different than the Jeremy I'm talking to right now. But we, uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding, dude. But, but the, uh, the, uh, the, I think you're going to really enjoy that interview at 11 o'clock. We'll talk a little bit more about it probably right before it airs. But, but, uh, 
Yeah, we got a really good show for y'all today as well. There's a lot of good stuff. Me and Jeremy were both at WWE events. He was at SmackDown. I was at Raw. We obviously had Blood and Guts last night. Um, I mean, we got a ton of stuff. We have a, a, a new a new uh, AIW champion and Isaiah Broner. We've got uh, Manders won the SCI uh, this past weekend out at the uh, Red Bank, the t- Chattanooga, Tennessee area. So like, we had a lot of good stuff. Impact returns. We had a lot of stuff to talk about today. So. Let's let's get right into it, Jensen, and we're going to start with... I need to finish the story. In the WWE, the story never finishes. Story never finishes, Stephen, <clears throat> but one story that I guess kind of finished was our WWE live experiences. I was at SmackDown. I took my mother to SmackDown, and you were at Raw. Did you have a date for Raw, Stephen Jensen? My brother, my brother is the one who got us the tickets. Actually, he um he has a client. One of the guys he trains uh, boxing is uh that's why I'm able to go to a lot of like the Hawks games and stuff. He has like a like a box seat with like uh like their like little like food section. It's it's awesome. So that, that's how I was able to go to the show. All right, so we both went to WWE this past week. Um, you were excited because Cody Rhodes was obviously going to be there, and it's his hometown of yes, Georgia, Atlanta. <laughs> And, you know, it was a big homecoming for old code man there. I was excited because my mom hasn't been to a WWE event in about a decade. So I was excited to just kind of show her what the experience is like nowadays. And she was excited to see, oh, this is what I sort of do for a living. Um, When was the last time you went to a WWE event, Jensen? It's been a long time. I honestly can't remember. It was it was probably a. I was probably living in Nashville at the time still. So probably wow. 2019, probably maybe 18. Period. I, Cause I don't, back. yeah. Cause I, I, the last WrestleMania I went to was 34 in new Orleans, I think. Mm-hmm. So like they would have WWE shows would have been, cause I don't think I've gone to any WWE shows since I've moved back to Atlanta. Cause Cody wasn't in the company the other times, like they were here. And you um, had no desire to go to WWE if Cody wasn't there. No, I went to all the AEW shows, though, when he was in <laughs> town. So it was, it was, that that was bizarre, though, because, like, you know, the same area, I was hearing Cody getting booed, you know, a few a couple years ago for another company. Same look, same presentation, same theme song, same everything. And he's they're blowing the roof off the place. Everyone's cheering. When he's with the WWE, it's, it's wild. But, um, yeah, I don't think... Uh, I don't think I've gone to any WWE. Yeah, so yeah, probably it's probably been since like I probably went to like a, like a SmackDown or Raw or something back in Nashville in like 2000, probably 18, 19 was probably the last time. Well, I did not know it was that far. I guess I, I shouldn't be too surprised. You, I know you weren't the biggest WWE fan when Cody was not there, and I did. Now, go ahead. To be to be fair, I did go to a lot of NXT shows. Um. Cause like the NXT would come through Nashville and stuff. So like right. I went, I went to a lot of those still, but I didn't really go to like raw and SmackDowns and stuff like that. I, okay. I forgot about the NXT shows. Those are obviously different. Those are smaller buildings and stuff like that. But right. Last WWE show I can remember going to was, it was coming out of the pandemic when they were in Cleveland. Uh, John Cena was there. It was before SummerSlam again. It was right after money again, right after the pandemic. Uh, and they just returned to doing, live events it was like i think it's like the first smackdown after money in the bank which was like their first big show uh after after the pandemic that was the last WWE show i can remember going to the 
uh, I've been to a few AEW shows. So it hadn't been too long. I guess technically three years. Maybe that is a while. Uh, so I guess it's been a little while. Um, what was your experience like, Jensen? What What did you notice from whether it was the presentation, the the crowd? Are you going to bury children on this show? No, actually, um, I'll put the children over a little bit here. It was actually like refreshing to be in that atmosphere. It was you know it was just different because like you know I'll be at AEW here in Atlanta in like three weeks, and that'll be a completely different vibe. And most of the stuff I go to nowadays is indie stuff. So it's like I'm going to like a high school gym or a bar or something like that. And so it's like the vibe that I get from going to live wrestling in the last handful of years is like totally different than going to a WWE show. And that said, it's like it's just it's just fun. It was just different. Um, Even like uh, the little girls in the crowd were going nuts for like uh, like when Rhea Ripley would be on the screen or like Liv Morgan and stuff. You know, they would they were going crazy. Like you could tell, like for these little girls, like having those role models is super super important to them. Like they really look up to the to the women on the show, and I think that that's like that's something that obviously people know, but it's something you you really it really like like you really experience it when you're live. Like you hear you because you can actually hear how excited people get, like like in real time in person. And so it's just it's just different. Um, when you know just so just in general i would say because even when like they started doing the main event tapings before the show all the people that were already there because it was pretty much sold out i mean the actual the actual crowd was sold out but the um but like even before the show started like every seat like for main event like people were all there ready for the you know the show to start an hour before it started and even for the main event matches, people were popping huge for like every move and like every entrance. And and you can just tell that for a lot of them, it may be the first WWE event. It may, it may not, but like they're, they're, they, you can tell they're just so excited to see their favorite wrestlers. Like it's just, they're not, they weren't, they're not there to see like the best match. They're not there to see like all the things that I'm necessarily there to see in a professional wrestling show. They're just there. Cause like, you know, like they're just people that they, that they look up to are right there in front of them and they can yell at them and they can try to high five them and they can hold their signs up and like they can support them. And so it's, so that, that, that side of it was a lot of fun. And then of course, um, you know, when the actual show started, Cody came out right at the beginning and that place went completely insane. Like that was the, probably the coolest I've been, I've been live in the crowd for stuff like the Hardy boys returning at WrestleMania. I was there in the crowd when, when Brian Danielson won the, the world title in the main event of WrestleMania. I've, I've been there live in, in the crowd for some really cool stuff. And those moments were humongous. Like I, I, when I, in WrestleMania 33, I was there in the crowd with everyone else doing the Hardy boy thing when they came out. And when Danielson won, I was doing the yes. And I mean, I've been a part of some really cool stuff, but I don't think I've ever been a part of anything and this also, I've been a part of a lot of UFC events with cool stuff. I was there when like Karen Woodley knocked out Robbie Lawler. I've been I've been there with, where there's like really big stuff happening, crazy atmospheres. But this was a this was something totally different. I don't know if I've ever been somewhere where everybody in that building was behind the hometown guy to that degree, to where it felt like the building was moving. I mean, it was like it was awesome. Um, it was absolutely awesome. Our homie Gunner and his brother were sitting. They were their seats. We were the first people like when when the wrestlers walked out the entrance ramp, how there's the fans on the guardrail, like pretty much on the stage. 
that's where Gunner was. So he got high fives from Cody and stuff, like right when they right when he came out, and he was like right there with he got he got some great videos. You should check out his uh, his Twitter um at uh what's his actual twitter handle for gunner it is uh it's just at gunner mathis g-u-n-n-a-r-m-a-t-h-i-s check his twitter out he got a lot of really good videos from right up on the stage um and then of course you know i turned to my brother before any of this happened by the way and i said cody's gonna get beat up in front of his family like i was i I was expecting that going into the show i was joking about it heading into the show saying like it's WWE, right? Like, no one ever is going to get their ass kicked in their hometown. Like, they would never do that, right? Like, I've never, I didn't live through the, the days of JR, you know, you know, going to, you know, having this happen from, from his family all those times and stuff. And anyway, so that all said, it was cool seeing his family get put over. It was cool seeing all that. And then, yeah, Brock beat him up. Like, it was, it was expected. Now, that all said, I lasted maybe another, maybe another hour after that. I mean, by, by like, by, 10 p.m. Eastern. I was already home watching the restaurant on my couch. Like, wait a second. Oh, oh, oh yeah, dude. Wait a second. <laughs> you you left like after Cody just got beat up. I you left. were literally there just to see Cody. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was. I went. Uh, I left after the Vikings Raiders match. The the one with like the big ship attached to the ring. Yeah. yeah, I was like, me and my brother, like, yeah, we're good. I got all. I got all my Cody Rhodes stuff. We're gonna beat the traffic. Like, this is great. So yeah, I was I watched the rest of the show uh, while I was playing Fortnite at home. I like. <laughs> you, I did not know that you had left like immediately after. Basically, Cody got. What if he came? Was he well, not he resting in the he dark didn't, he match? Did, he didn't. I mean, he, I don't know if he came out again afterwards, but that was that was the decision I had to make. Was like beat all the traffic home, or like maybe Cody comes out again. And I felt like he wasn't going to. And that was the thing. I waited for like a solid hour. I was like, okay, who else am I going to be seeing on this show? And I was like, all right, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn already came out. I already got to see them. They're going to wrestle later, but like I still got to see them live. Um, I got to see like Gable and Otis, which I wanted to kind of see their entrance because they're pretty over right now. Um, I bear- I just missed- LA Knight came out, Jensen? I'm glad. Well, I wasn't expecting to see him on the show because he's not, you know, he's not on Raw. And that the brand splits very real, you know? And then, uh, I mean, but it was the thing I had to see. The only person that I, I missed that I would have been cool, um, like Shinsuke Nakamura. But once again, I was there live when Nakamura debuted on SmackDown in Orlando. Like, I'm never going to see a bigger Nakamura entrance in my life than that, probably. So, like, I'm not really mad about that. Um, Rollins did, like, a pre-tape thing with Balor. I don't know. I think he probably came out at some point during the show. And I, if I missed that entrance. He, he came out at the end. Yeah, That's the one thing that I, I, I would have liked to be a part of. But not he didn't, enough. He didn't get his entrance, though, at the end. He came out and he attacked, like, Dom before the, the bell rang. Or attacked, like, Oh, Dom good. Before, like, okay, good. That I didn't, I didn't miss, even right? get to do his entrance. That I didn't even miss. What, okay, cool. Yeah, so, no, I got everything I wanted out of it. I really, had, to be completely honest, had, had it been advertised that Cody's going to come out do his entrance and like he would not be on the show after that i would have left immediately after cody's segment <laughs> like i would have been home by 9 30 i mean 10 8 30 i'm sorry what if logan paul had come out i know he will i know i know where logan's at he well, he was at home he was doing the ricochet thing yeah but what if he, he came out i would have known if he was going to be on raw or not <laughs> That's right. You follow him on Twitter. Usually they advertise him. Yeah, I would I would like Yeah, him. yeah, exactly. It wasn't like I knew I was going to be seeing Logan. So, yeah, I saw it like I was. I, have I not made that clear enough through this show? Over, I mean, 
Like, you I'm, have. I'm, yeah. like you've made it very clear that you only you're you're there to watch Cody Rhodes and Logan Paul, and that's about it for you. I just didn't think like, oh, you're going to Raw and then you would leave an hour yeah. into the show because they screwed up. They should have had Cody in the main event segment and forced you to stay the whole way through. I was kind of shocked about that because that's what I and I thought. I figured that would be the hook for everybody to stay the entire show. I, I legitimately did. I figured that they would like. Cody would come out, maybe get beat up, and then they'd advertise, like, stick around because when the show ends, the American Nightmare is going to come back out or, like, you know, they say, like, tell the crowd that or something, but that didn't happen. So, like, you know, at least not an hour into the show when I was still there. So, um, and by the way, it's it's awesome because, like, the the seats that my brother gets us, they have uh, this whole, like, concessions area that's, like, that comes with it. So, I loaded up on, like, free hot dogs and popcorn and, like, desserts and stuff. So, like, and I took a bunch of stuff home with me. I grabbed, like, a bag and, like, filled it with, like, snacks and candy and stuff. So, like, dude, I got – in that one hour, I got food. I got I got free candy to bring home. I got all my Cody Rhodes merchandise. I saw the entrance. Like, you know, I was, like, tearing up there, too. I was I was standing there, and I was, like, pretty much in tears. Like, this it was an incredible moment. I got to see – and it was, nothing was going to top that on that show for me. Like, like Cody already came out. The place already went crazy. Like, what am I going to see on the rest of that show that I'm going to get even remotely excited over in comparison to that? Like, it's just not this. You know, this is like the greatest hour of your life. Yes. It's like I got all this merch. I got all this free food and everything. I got to see Cody. I did the whoa. Like, yeah, nothing was going to beat it. The only thing that would have beat it, I guess, if he would have won the world title or something in that hour. Yeah. Yeah. That that would have been huge. Episode of Raw. And I'll also say, like, so many people knew all the words to his song because I could hear all the kids around me too. Even the little kids are all singing along. We were all singing together. It's funny because like I'm up in this box, right? And like you know, up through the through main through main event like the show, the pre-show, I'm just kind of sitting there eating hot dogs, you know. Like I'm like running, not moving. I've got I've, I've got this shirt already, so it's like I've got my Cody shirt. Me and my brother's kind of chilling. There's not really people like right next to us in the box, which is great. And we're just kind of sitting there and like. Everyone else around is going nuts for like every pre-show match, every entrance. We're just kind of sitting there chilling. And then like the show starts and you know, that like, you know, the, the, it goes black. I stand up, you know, and and, like, we're like, you know, we're all alive and like me and my whole section and we're all together. Me with all the kids adrenaline in my soul, every fight out of control. And we were all, we were all singing it together. I was sitting, we're all like rejoicing. I'm, I'm like hugging strangers. It was, yeah, it was. (laughs) it was it was great it was great dude like it was it was absolutely that that entrance was one of the coolest things i've ever been a part of and once again <laughs> like there was no point in staying beyond that like you know this is what it is i got my, I got my hat got my shirt got my autographs got my funko pop oh my gosh oh i don't know what else i can add well, how was your you how had... was your experience at, at smackdown i mean it's, i guess you stayed the whole show uh not true <laughs> I did stay the whole show. I stayed the whole television tapings portion of it. I will. I don't know if this will make you mad or not, Super Jensen. So they do the 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 live show, which was it was a fine episode of SmackDown. My mom had a good time, and that's what what really mattered. My mom was on in the weeds on Monday. If anybody <clears throat> voice, uh, if anybody wants to listen to her review of the show. So and my wife just messaged me what I have to, the news I have to break to you because she knows that no one else knows. Um, so we, we had a good time during like the, the television tapings and everything. Uh, you know, I messaged you the LA night video. I was very happy to see that LA night was like actually there. Um, 
because everybody else did like the pre-tape for their next week thing. And LA Knight like came out and cut a promo. <laughs> I'll say this, Jensen. I'll I'll be I'll be on your side on this. I'm sure you didn't watch his promo. His promo, not a whole lot of substance to it. He just like he okay, just said is, things. Is this, what you were, is this what you were getting to when you were like, I have news for you? Is no, 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 oh. no. This okay. is this is to set you up. This is the nicety that I give you before I snatch it away and maybe break your heart. Oh no! Yeah. So break my heart I... first. Do the break my heart thing first. Okay, 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 okay. So they do the TV tapings, right? And then Cody Rhodes is advertised for the the main event or the post show main event, the dark match. Right. Event, right. So they go immediately to it. By the way, there's like no downtime from the end of SmackDown to the the dark segment. Let's go down the doo doo. Here we go, Cody Rhodes. Adrenaline in the soul, something, something, Cody Rhodes. I don't know the lyrics like you do. I do the video sure. for you. You know, I, I know you saw that. Like, I, I taped that for you. I left. I left right after his entrance. I was like, I don't want, I don't need to see this man wrestle. I'm good. So we watched uh-huh. the entrance and then we left and we did not watch the match. So I did not watch Cody Rhodes actually wrestle. But oh, I that's all? For you. That's all yeah. it was? Oh, I thought you were yeah. going to say like, then like Sean called me and was like, go backstage and meet Cody or something. I thought this was going to be like <laughs> really bad. Oh, you just, you just didn't watch. Cause dude, I didn't even know they were doing this whole thing in Atlanta for like the, the documentary until I saw things afterwards that Sean. I was, was actually here. mad at Sean that like, he could not get you some type of like, I don't know, some type of pass for this. By the way, I was mad at Sean that he could not get you something for this. I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't know anything at all about any of it until like afterwards. So, I mean, now granted, I have to work my shoot job and everything, but I'm sure I could have made something happen to go and hug. Oh, see, I'd be like the quit your job. Yeah, I probably just quit my job. Honestly, I would, just, I would just bail. Like, Y'all can deal with, with me not being there <laughs> however you want to. Um, no. Okay. So, okay. So that's, uh, you got the, uh. Okay, you got the you didn't see Cody Russell, but you got the entrance. That's cool. Go ahead with the LA Knight news that you were that you were getting. <laughs> the promo was like it wasn't that much of of anything. I don't even remember it. Yeah. He got like his delivery is very good. He has his catchphrases and everything, but it felt just a little uh not misplaced, but kind of just not poignant. I guess is the uh, is the word that, that I should be using here. Like it, it didn't yeah. feel like it had too much of a of a purpose on yeah. things. Like it, I don't know. It, it didn't. Crowd every, loved that's, it. That's every promo he does. <laughs> that's what I've been talking about this whole time. There's nothing. He's not saying anything. He just says it very. He says nothing very enthusiastically. But it's, but it's, but it's. Once again, I get the the kids. It's the low hanging fruit. It's the WWE universe. They, they. It's very easy. It's very easy to go along with them. Oh, hey, night, yeah. Like it's just like it's like a it's like a tick. You know, it's like you like it's like a scratch. You got to itch. Like you know he's gonna say it. You're waiting for him to say it. Waiting for him to say it. Waiting for. Oh, we all say it together. Like that's. And then the rest of his promo is nothing. He just comes out and he just says nothing. Or, or, or he'll literally just point out the most obvious thing that's like happening that everybody also is seeing. Like, for instance, I saw, dude, I saw recently, because I'm always seeing these videos. I've talked about some of them on the show before where there'll be like LA Knight is cooking somebody and like it's like not even a roast, you know, of any kind, but it's just an enthusiastic ramble of some kind. And I saw something the other day where it was him. 
at, like advertising something because you know he's done a bunch of these like infomercials and stuff yeah, over yeah. the years too yeah and somebody like had him on the spot like advertising like hey can you do a quick like commercial for our our meet and greet or whatever and all he did was he was just like it, it was the equivalent of like got this king booker pop here got this water bottle here got this dragon sword sword or dagger here come on down to so-and-so's comic book shop la night yeah it's just like and they were like this guy's incredible on the microphone like all he did was literally talk about objects that were in, literally in front of him say his own name and yeah how is this yeah is this genius next level promo cutting like it just it doesn't make any sense to me but i'm glad that you understand like because because it sounds like that's what happened. He, if, you, if you listen to his promos from now on, anyone hearing this, listen to what he's actually saying. I'm convinced that Ellie and I could cure cancer and Stephen would still find a way to bury him in a rant for Okay, listen. Fair, listen, all right. To be fair, all right. Cancer is something very serious to my family. If Ellie and I cured cancer, I would, I would praise the man every single day of my life if that man somehow cured cancer, okay? There are, there are absolutely, obviously, levels to those kind of things. But I understand. I understand the joke there. Um, listen, Louis got it. Louis got the comparison. Lil John wasn't a great lyrical rapper, but he still made bangers. That's it. L.A. Knight's got catchy bangers. He, he doesn't need the the word play and the double entendres and the multi syllable rhyming and stuff. Just yeah, okay, what? That's it. That's L.A. Knight. But you know what? People are in the club. Are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But there was also like the substance of like the music behind the yaying. Like you you saw like a beat and like a, like a feature and a hook and like all this other stuff that like LA Knight's just not saying anything. Cyclops is better than Logan. Uh, says now I wish he didn't use cancer. And it's okay. I, I don't don't take that like don't be down about that. Like I I, I appreciate the joke. I think it's a funny. Jo- it's 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 a good it's a good comparison. Um, but uh. LA Knight is a little. I love this comparison by Louis. The 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 little John comparison. It, listen, it's not it's not a bad comparison either. Like I I understand that comparison too. I get that. Um, I just think there's a lot more. Like because all all I get out of LA Knight is like, like when I see that like I don't, I don't think what I'm seeing is cool. Like when I see this guy come out like dressed up the way he's dressed, it's just nothing about him is like is like entertaining or cool to me if a guy that, that looked like that was around me in public i'd be like what's up with this dude you know what i mean i'd be like what's going on with this guy if there was a guy who talked like that around me i'd be like who's the guy think he is like this is weird you know so anyway talks like this fully in real life i've heard enough la night interviews to know he's kind of more down to earth and toned down He's on wrestling. You yeah. turn it up. I know. I'm at this point. I'm just hating. Listen, I, I but I'm but I'm but I'm agreeing with what you're saying because it sounds like you're agreeing with me a little bit now too, which is good. You're coming. You're coming around a little here. bit. A little bit. Uh, yeah. A, a little. A little bit agreeing on the LA Knights and as far as his sub- substance goes. But now that he's just little, the little John of WWE, how can you hate this man, Jensen? I'm not, I'm not gonna. But outside of that, I was I was rested. Anything else good off of the uh, off SmackDown? Uh, I did pop for. Oh, I will say this about about Cody Rhodes as well. You know, usually I've been to enough WWE shows to to know. At least again, it's been it's been a few years, but people typically just like leave 
after the tapings. They got no time. I, I was there back in the day when like they take 205 live after yeah. SmackDown. Mass exodus to, to the exit. Just everybody leaving off of that. Maybe no nobody except for me <laughs> left uh, after the tapings and Cody Rhodes came out. Like that arena was still full to watch Cody Rhodes and, and take on Damian Priest. Like it was still a very full arena. There was not many people leaving. I don't say like nobody left because there, there were a few, but like compared to what it usually is, like usually like half the arena empties out after the tapings. And it was maybe like 5% of the arena left. Uh, they they wanted to see at least the Cody entrance. I don't know how how much of them stayed through in the entire match. I imagine most of them did. But yeah, nobody was leaving uh, when, when Cody came out. So I, I joke with you about Cody and your love of Cody. I ain't denying this man and his drawing power, though. There is something, something to the end or just something to like his connection with all of this. And there's something to him being a legitimate draw and if you think otherwise i don't know i don't know what to tell you because business has been up with him on the road and and doing all of these shows and i think wwe's is a hot product right now for a lot of fans but i think cody is also a a hot act for a lot of fans too otherwise the the show was good i like the the jay uso promo i popped when he kicked uh super kick paul Heyman because i did not did not see that quite coming. Um, though I thought that was good. Paul Heyman calling himself a Juso was hilarious to me. Um, yeah, it was, it was a fine show. I, I yeah, my mom had a good time. That's what really that's good. To me, yeah, is my for mom sure. Had a good time. It's always fun seeing people that like aren't like don't really watch wrestling like have a good time at WWE shows. Like when other yeah, people used to bring like some girls with us and stuff that like never watched it, and they would always have a blast. But. Uh, my mom was sitting next to uh, the, this group of people who like didn't seem like they. I could I could be completely off base, but like it didn't seem like they'd been to a lot, watch like a lot of WWE either. They didn't really know who a lot of people were, and they're asking my mom who's this person, and my mom doesn't know, so she's asking me who's like this person and stuff. But they were having a great time too. They, these group of people next to my mom, like they were popping for everything as well and like that is the thing that i think a lot of people especially us when we're super online and super in the bubble and stuff is like these shows aren't necessarily designed like especially the live shows aren't necessarily like designed for us for sure like, it, it's very much designed of like hey you're out with your friends come come watch come enjoy the experience and yeah. i don't know again yeah, i don't know how many people were first time uh viewers first time this is their first live wwe show how much they keep up with the product but at least in our little gaggle uh row there were there are people who it seemed like had never been to a wwe live event did not keep up with the product that much and they really enjoyed themselves at the show and you know that's that's part of all this is you want to draw people in to the live event for the first time who's like oh maybe i kind of know what it is let's go hang out with my friends on this night and then hopefully they they keep coming back. That's that's part of it all. So yeah, everyone yeah. around me had a good time and it was a good show. Good, yeah. So we both had good experiences. You know, mine was short yeah. and sweet, perfect for experience for me. And uh, yeah. And then uh, I also, can't believe you left after Cody. That pops me so yeah. much. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, it's like it's like when I'm at home, dude. Like you, I, I always tell you before we do this show, I'm like, tell me if there's something I need to see for our show for WWE. Like, I know, but because I because I, I, I literally, huh? 
it's a big difference of like, okay, I'm at home. I, I could just turn off the TV after Cody. Oh, you tell me like they do the Cody countdown, which is specifically designed for you. Right. Uh, you tell me when Cody's on, tell me what yeah. I need to watch. Like it's a big difference when you're at home and you just turn off the TV and you're just at home. <laughs> big difference between you're at the friggin' show. And instead of stay, staying through the whole thing and still taking in the rest of the show, you're like, nah, I'm good. I'll but I respect it. I gotta say, I fully respect it. I'll tell you this: I would never do this at like any indie show. I'd never do this at like pretty much any. <laughs> I'd never do this at an AEW show. Um, but you know, it just it just you know it is what it is, man. Like it, you know, it was. I had I had a great time for what it needed to be. Listen, if I if somebody would have hit me up and been like, "Hey, I have this like great relationship with Cody Rhodes, and like you know you can go meet him after the show if you stay the whole time," then I'd be like, "Oh, okay, like yeah, like I'll stay the whole time if I get to like meet Cody or something. Like that'd be cool. That'd be awesome." But uh, and then speaking of this whole Sean. speaking of this whole Sean. documentary thing, um, remember when like Cody would like get really upset with WWE? Actually, you know what? Do I even have do I have oh, one of these boy. around me? Ooh, I can actually do a little bit real quick. Oh boy, no idea what's happening. So. Jensen is digging into oh okay. there we go there's the stardust mass the return of stardust so remember this is back when before cody left the wwe he said y'all have y'all call all these people dusty's kids dusty's kids all these nsk kids are dusty's kids and you've got dusty's actual kid and you've got him dressed up like an effing space clown you got the number one Cody Rhodes fan right here at Fightful. Get me involved with Cody Rhodes stuff, please, for the love of God. Like, if we have ends to these kind of things, oh, oh. But anyways, the documentary looks really cool. I can't wait to watch it. You've, you've got a you've got a message, Sean Ross Sapp, and he. I didn't know this even existed until it was over with. I didn't either. I knew he was going to Atlanta. I knew he was going somewhere. I didn't know what for, uh, and I definitely didn't know it was this. Um, I can tell you news off air that would break your heart, but I don't want to. Uh, um, oh no! I don't. I don't want to get you more upset. Uh, let's. Uh, yeah, let's move on. on. I, I'm gonna put this. Let's get a live Stephen Jensen reaction here. I'm gonna put this in the private chat. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Yeah, we're gonna have to just go ahead and change subjects. <laughs> uh, over a million fans uh, and a great number in the demo tuned in. And it was a great show, and I think it's been a run of great shows. AEW yeah. last night. AEW Blood and Guts Dynamite blood and guts we had the big blow off between the blackpool combat club i guess the blow off between the blackpool combat club and the golden elite the golden elite one they were choking wheeler yuda essentially hanging him hangman page was hanging him and john boxley quit for his team to end it and then after the show which was not aired they said they respect each other they shook hands and again that's why i assume this is the blow off of it this is the third blood and guts match jensen what did you make of this belt um I mean, I thought it was—I thought it was really good. You know, I think a lot of people are kind of getting like, kind of harsh on Abushi because he like he didn't look like his best. Yeah. Um, 
But, uh, you know, it was still cool seeing him there and involved. I mean, it was cool seeing the goal and the lead all together. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, it was not necessarily, like, it was storytelling that made sense how, like, Pac and Takeshita bailed on the combat club towards the end of the match. So it kind of, I kind of like how everything played out, honestly, because the BCC still looked strong because, like, it was basically three on five by the end of the thing. And um, Takeshita is still a heel. Pac's still a heel. These guys, you know, oh, I think Pac's still a heel. That, that I'm assuming we're going to get Pac versus Claudio on Friday. Yeah, that's for, announced. Oh, that's did they announced that? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so they, you know, they, they, they were able to, you know, kind of further some other stories. And then, as you said, you know, after the show, uh, the combat club and the elite shook hands and, uh, but I mean, I, I enjoyed it. You know, the only thing that I've, I've always really said about matches like blood and guts or like war games is I just wish there was more of like a elimination aspect or something to where, because the only thing I don't like about the match is the fact that there can't be any pinfalls or anything in, or any, any submissions or like, you know, uh, surrender or anything like that until everybody has entered the match. So you like, so, you know, going into it, the first, you know, half hour or whatever, like it just, the match can't end. Now it's cool. Cause like you can, you see them beating the hell out of each other. Like that's the entertainment aspect of it. I, I get all that, but to me, it'd be you know, even more entertaining if, like, you knew there was a possibility of people getting eliminated, like, throughout the entire thing. It would just make it more interesting to me. But that said, that's just the way the match is set up, and that it is what it is, you know. For for what that match is, I thought I thought it was done really, really well. And they um they came up with some really uh, innovative stuff too, like especially the uh, when they when Matt I think it was Matt Jackson at the top of the cage when he he put the thumbtacks. Yeah, the uh, the thumbtack shower. Yeah, the thumbtack shower. That was a really smart spot. I've never seen something like that before. Um, there was a lot of cool spots in this one. The glass and the uh the 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 nail the bed of nails. That was that was bizarre and brutal and uh probably I didn't I mean seemed a lot more dangerous than it probably was, but it looked they they looked super dangerous. Um Takesha or not Takesha, sorry, Abushi took a uh took a bump <laughs> in the tax and everything after the match, and that that that's kind of set everyone off as well um so yeah I, I thought it was good i thought it was a good blow off and like the elite the golden elite needed to win this in my opinion and like they did so um i thought it was good what about you i i really enjoyed it there was some gruesome moments uh as you would expect the the bed of nails i know like it, it probably wasn't as like the nails were very they weren't like super pointed like that like if you look at it they were much more that's a great representation but they it didn't look like they were you know they're they're, they're slamming they're being slammed on this stuff right if that's an actual bed of nails you're dead like that's just if that's like uh sharp nails you're just done uh so it's obviously a lot of trade the, the glass and everything but like it still looks very yeah. gruesome um which is obviously the point i like that the elite one in kind of in the manner that they won as well, because Blackpool Combat Club, it was not the cohesive Blackpool Combat Club. Don Callis and Takeshka were not really part of the group. They just joined because, hey, Callis was like, hey, Takeshka, I need you to take out Kenny Omega. Pac was there because Danielson was hurt. So it was not just, it was not the cohesive unit. The Golden Elite, all that was a five-person friendship right there. Right. So I think it made sense that the Golden Elite won. I think it made sense how they did the finish of like, all right, Pac's like, 
well, screw you. You hit me. Was this an accident? Was this not? And I, I, I sat on in the weeds. Like, I think they might be setting up Pac and Claudio for death before dishonor. Cause it seemed like they were going to try to set up something during this match for who Claudio was going to face with all the changes. Pac made the most sense. Abushi kind of made sense if they could get Abushi to work Friday. Um, but yeah, Pat, they ended up going with Pac, which I think is a good call. And then Takeshka left because Kalos is like, yeah, you're not, you know, you did your job. The no- numbers aren't there now. Get out of there. I like the I like Moxley, like basically having to quit for Yuta. I like that Moxley sold it very well, like the look of disappointment on his face as yeah. well. These matches are always a little tough because like they're basically an hour long. There's some downtime. I do think AW does a very good job of like not having too much downtime in yeah. these of like, hey, let's go around, set up this spot, let's set up that spot. And then, and then do the big spot. Like they, they do a good job of like keeping the action moving uh, in in these blood and guts matches. And I think this one was a very good example of that, where the action just kept going. So I enjoyed the match. I thought the finish was good. I thought the right team in the end won. I hope. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hope. We are at least done with this for the time being. It seems like, you know, after the post show, we respect you, handshakes all around, have fun. It seems like they will. I think now you move on to Omega and Takeshka in some fashion because the Omega Callus feud is still going. You got Jericho kind of off in the background, not even the background at this point, uh, trying to align with Callus. Uh, where does that leave the Bucks? Where does that leave Hangman? Are they going after the trios titles? How much is Abushi going to factor in moving moving forward? Kenny said like Abushi will be back and everything. And then where does Blackpool go with Danielson being out and everything? So I, I'm interested to see now where everybody goes after this. But as far as this particular match goes, I liked it. I do. I know you like the elimination style. We've had this discussion mm-hmm. before uh, around War Games when mm-hmm. WWE did War Games last year. I know you like the elimination style. I like the. I like the non-elimination style and I like the submission or like give up style as well. I, yeah. I like, I prefer that to the pinfall because pinfall. Okay. You can get caught in a three count. I know they're not going to do like a roll up as the three sure. count or whatever, but I like that you are basically forced to say, I quit for this reason. Like I surrender for this reason. I like that in the, in the, this style of match. So, but you know, did a good job with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the, that, because the ending, because I don't know if they, camera missed or if i if i miss it in real time i didn't realize it was happening it. they did because yeah. i i like though that the, the story there is that that moxley threw in the towel for we for wheeler because wheeler was getting choked out by the chain 
And like you said, it was it was kind of a cool dynamic and like aesthetic on the on screen and everything with uh like with Moxley just being handcuffed there. He was totally conscious and aware of everything that was going on. He just couldn't do anything about it. And um, even at the end of the match, like he's not knocked out. Like he's just sitting there, like sitting there on his ass, just looking at everything around him, just like in disappointment. Um, I wonder if after this too, I mean, with all them shaking hands, if especially because like if the combat club at this point is now just Moxley, Wheeler, and Claudio until Danielson comes back, it's possible they turn them face again, maybe. Like maybe that's what's happening here already. Especially if Takeshi and Pack bailed on them the way that they did. Because the thing with the combat club is you can flip up those guys over and over if you want to, because they're they're gonna be good as baby faces or heels. It just depends on who their opponents are. So yeah, I mean, I mean, Danielson's Moxley, already Danielson's already flipped like three times since he joined AEW. So yeah, I mean Moxley got like one of the biggest reactions when Wild Thing hit last night. Anyway, so yeah, it's very much dependent on who they're feuding with, what kind of reaction they're gonna get. They still got unfinished business, I think, with Eddie. Eddie, of course, isn't back until mid August uh, after the G one, so he's gonna he's gonna be off to the sideline a little bit. Maybe they can do some some promos. Um, some promos from Japan and stuff with him, but there's still, there's obviously still plenty of stories with uh Blackpool combat club and they're never going to forget about like, what are we going to do with John Moxley? That man's always going to have a, a spot on television. So I'm, I'm not too worried about them. And I am looking forward and seeing what the follow-up is now, because I mean, Moxley and hangman have been feuding since basically the start of the year. Like they, they wrestled on the, the January 4th uh, dynamite and, They've been feuding this entire year and, you know, the elites and Blackpool have been pulled in as part of it. There's been some side quests and whatnot, but like that's been the crux of the this feud that like really had started everything. So now we're halfway through the year, over halfway through the year, and finally we're going to kind of get a new direction for these guys. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There should, should, be, should be good stuff coming out of all that. Your AEW spotlight, Steven Jensen, his Mr. CM Punk losing to Ricky Starks in the finals of the Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament. Uh, Punk, or sorry, Ricky Starks grabbed the ropes after some roll-up reversals, and then he snatched the snatched the trophy from Liger, and Ricky Starks is your Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament winner. Your thoughts? Yes, absolutely. Now, really quick, I just want to give a quick shout out before I do this because it'd be I'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention the FTR versus Bullet Club Gold match. Obviously, incredible, one of the best tag team matches you're going to see. I mean, I want to give them their credit, but the reason I made the spotlight the Ricky Starks Owen tournament win is because, like, for one, there's not really a whole lot I can do to do justice for that FTR Bullet Club match. It was an hour long. Go check it out. I th- the, the big, my big takeaway from that was that Juice took both the L's for Bullet Club Gold, and you can tell there's still big plans for Jay White as a singles guy, probably, which is all good stuff. Um, <clears throat> but as far as Ricky Starks, and this ties in together, because I, I talked about this with Doug a little bit on Tuesday, I think that there's a chance that Ricky Starks may join Bullet Club Gold with those guys. That would that that could make sense because um, the the finish of the Owen Hart tournament that was a heel turn. Uh, they can they can kind of frame it a little bit like Owen Hart was a prankster and like that but like that didn't come off like a prankster to me that came off like it those are like dick moves like I I would have I would have preferred if Punk turned heel because I think he's already a heel and like a lot of some people just don't realize it but I feel like he's gonna get booed. we talked about that plenty at nauseum but like he's gonna get booed in most places he's gonna get cheered in some for sure but 
I feel like Punk's already a heel and people are ready for him to just full on just be a heel on the show all the way. But as far as Ricky winning the tournament, that's good for him. It, give, it gives him something important. He, and he's needed that since kind of being kind of stuck after like he went, he went after MJF. And then like after that, he's kind of been in the lull, it feels like. So um, it's good to see him get this win. It's good to see him get a win over Punk. And one thing I'll say about Punk, you know, that I always give him credit for is I don't think he's one of these guys. Like some of the things I dislike about Punk aren't really his fault. Like, uh, like his push, for instance, he, I, I think he could go to Tony Khan all day and say he wants to put certain people over, and Tony's still going to be like, "No, you're CM Punk. Like you're a draw. Like you're not going to have you lose to so and so. Like you, like, like I, I, my my point is like I feel like Punk probably often is trying to put over newer talent. Like he probably wanted, he probably went to them and was like. When I come back, I want to put over Starks. I want to put over Hobbs. I want to put, like, he probably has his list of guys who he wants to help out. Um, and that probably extends even farther. To, we, we don't even know. Like, I remember him wrestling Lee Moriarty, you know, like a year ago or whatever, a little over a year, whatever it was. And he, when he wrestled Moriarty, like, for all we know, Punk went backstage before and he was like, hey, I want to put this guy over. And, and Tony was like, no, dude, we can't have you losing right now. Like, it just, you know, it doesn't make sense, you know? So, like, I want to give Punk credit. I feel like he probably really wanted to put Ricky Starks over. So, like, he got to do that. I didn't think the match was, like, great, but, like, it was fine for what it needed to be. And at the end of the day, it accomplished what it needed to also. Because if you're if you're going to turn Stark's heel, we got to see it. Um, and then it's just a matter of, like, where do you go from here? Because, um, you know, Stark's going to get a big push. And like I said, I think I think maybe him joining with Bullet Club Gold would make sense, consider, considering they had, like, that little feud and everything and, and you know, with them all being heels, if because if the Bull Club Gold was the Guns, Juice, Jay, and Ricky, that's a that's a pretty solid, pretty solid little faction for AEW. I I agree on um, yeah. So we got CM Punk, FTR, the Guns, Juice, Jay, Ricky. I feel like Ricky and Jay both kind of overlap they're almost on. like both the leader kind of yeah vibes. i get yeah. that but but if you're gonna keep jay and juice kind of more as a tag team for the time being but also you'd have the guns as the tag team this might not be the best idea like i'm just kind of trying to think of like what is the best thing to do with ricky because with aew they're so good about like doing these stables and stuff that i feel like him on his own isn't going to be as powerful on the show as like if he was a part of a group if that makes sense so i'm trying to think of like I... where he would fit in I think him on his own might stand out more than being part of the group because everybody is part of a group on yeah. this show. I mean, even Hobbs is dealing with QTV and and everything. Like him just being on his own. Like, I don't need any of these people. And Ricky, I've listened to enough Ricky Starks interviews where he said, like, yeah, don't really want to do like a tag team thing anymore. And he was, you know, I, I think it was Ricky blends being in character and not being in character in these interviews. So I'll be fair to him on that. And, you know, he was asked about powerhouse Hobbs and action and dready. And he's just like, yeah, I don't know about this tag team stuff. And like character wise, well, Hobbs turned on him action and dready. That was just kind of a dud type of thing. So it, it could just be like, yeah, his character doesn't want to do tag teams, but I, there might be some, a little bit of truth into the blending of the lines there. So I like Ricky starts on his own i don't know if he needs to join bullet club gold i do think was it like a full-on heel turn on here 
maybe maybe not it was certainly heelish not so much like grabbing the ropes obviously that's a heel move but i can play that off or or ricky can it was play the that liger off thing as, though like the, the disrespect liger, to liger yes. that can't be yeah. overshadowed or right at grabbing you. the ropes yeah. is just like i outsmarted you type of thing like you know you would have done the same thing right in my position type of thing grabbing the trophy from liger and just being like get the fuck out of here jushin thunder liger <laughs> like that was like oh yeah that's a dick move and liger standing there like with his hands off like bro they brought liger in this? just to like just get disrespected by ricky starks like i mean it's a good payday if you get it ricky disrespects uh, people on twitter for free so if you get paid to to do it then you're you're in good shape um it's easier than having to come in and wrestle tyler breeze you all got to do is come in and just just hand him, hand him the title or hand him the Tyler trophy. Breeze is probably an easy night at the office. Let's be honest. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not roasting Tyler Breeze. I, I actually, like, I liked, I liked the whole Breeze and Liger. I, my, 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 the joke was that, like, he didn't have to come in and even wrestle. He just had to right. just hand a trophy over. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just bringing Liger in for that. Punk is going to be a fascinating case moving forward because he's obviously still going to be very prevalent on these shows. Does he keep getting like, screwed over in a way where he finally breaks we know he loves the bret hart stuff and this is straight out of the bret hart playbook of oh i'm tired of getting screwed over i'm tired of getting held back held down everything that's wrong with this company he's gonna go backstage and knock the headset off of tony khan and call him out and everything he's gonna shove him to the ground and then that's gonna be the the big i don't know heel turn or some people probably still cheer him uh, face turn for for CM Punk like is that what's going to happen here? Um, mm-hmm. We shall see, but I I think we're seeing shades of it right now, and we've seen we we've seen shades of it since his return of just he's going to get cheered in Chicago, he's going to get cheered in other places as well. It's a little bit mixed in, in Calgary, but like it wasn't full on like booze or anything. Now once they get back to some top American cities, they're in New Jersey this weekend, He'll I get believe there because that's like MJF country. A little bit, yeah. Kind um, of, pretty much. I think, I think, I think there'll there'll be a pro MDF crowd that that won't like Punk. Punk's not even announced for this Collision show. They haven't announced like anything else of the the trios tag match. I assume they'll continue to announce more. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're in New Jersey. We'll see how it gets. What the reaction is there. Uh, but yeah, Punk Punk's still going to be very involved. I I look forward to the follow up with Ricky because I I've said this a lot of times of. You, Ricky can win, Ricky can lose in, in this own heart tournament finals. It matters, but like just the fact that he made it there, the fact that he faced Punk, he was the match was always going to be good. He was always going to get some like good shine off of that match. What do you do with him after? That's what matters because we've seen cases of, hey, cool, he had this feud, he won, but then they did nothing with it after. He had this match, he won, they did nothing with it after. Like you got to keep the momentum and keep him on like a top star kind of level and i think they will by the way especially now that there's two shows and there's more time and like you said for for all the criticisms of of cm punk he seems very willing to put over and let a lot of the younger talent like just kind of shine and give them uh a bigger platform and a bigger stage and make them look a little equal to him yeah one and i mean i think that's that's clearly the intention is like solidifying ricky as a main event level guy i mean that's and whether or not it works long term is going to be up to the company and up to ricky how they execute all this but like he's a guy who the people are definitely behind he's very good in the ring he's got a good look and he's been wrestling for like 20 years people don't realize i mean he's been around a long time um so 
Uh, and then riddle me this, Jeremy. I just got to ask you, just, I, just, have you ever seen somebody with a worse elbow drop than CM Punk? Like, because I, because, because it's not even just the, it's not, because, you know, he's always been bad at like the, when he tries to do the Macho Man one where he does like the little thing and he like always, you know, lands weird. But, you know, and, and I've, I've noticed, you know, during the, because he's a very big Bret Hart fan, um, he emulates Bret Hart the, to the best of his abilities. Um, and, he tried like the you know like the the middle rope Bret Hart yeah. elbow and I mean, that looked even elbow, yeah. that looked even worse than the the savage attempts. So I mean that's <laughs> that's pretty impressive. The the unathleticism levels there are just unreal. But um but hey but hey it's better. I, you weren't here last week when I when I got on to Swerve. Um so I I got onto I got onto onto Swerve Strickland because. Listen, I love Swerve. I've talked about it before. I interviewed Swerve back when he was kill shot at Lucha Underground years ago. Like I'm a I'm a longtime fan of this guy, right? But I noticed in the Nick Wayne match, he used kind of like the Pentagon driver type finisher, which I love. Like that's a great finishing move. Yeah, Swerve has a great move set. He's got a really cool. Like, even like the move he does where he like does kind of like that axe kick, where like the the grounded axe kick he does to the head and stuff. Like, he got really good moves. But his when he normally does that that double stomp, it's just goofy. I can't stand it. Like because there the people have to sit there like the Undertaker, like doing a sit up and like sit there and look at him at the on the top rope while he stands there staring at them, and then he jumps down and just completely misses every time. Like he he lands around his opponents every time. Like he's not actually hitting anything. So if I'm gonna be fair, like it's not just CM Punk. There's certain there, there's there's plenty of wrestlers that I like where I'm like what's up with this? Like, why, why are you doing this to yourself? You're awesome. There's this one thing that's like holding you back. Stop doing it. So uh, anyways, got to throw that out there. But do, do, do you agree with me, by the way? Do you, do you see that, that swerve double stomp ever? And you're just like, man, he is not hitting anything. He's kind of looks weird. Yeah. The swerve double stomp is a, is a weird move. But the thing with that is you either got to really like Finn Balor looks like he crushes yeah. guys. I get the safety thing. aspect, okay? I get yeah. that. But, like, if you're going to do that move, like, it's got to look like you're at least hitting them, like, to some degree. Yeah. Um, because, like, like low-key looked like he was actually killing people when he'd do that stuff, right? Like, they'd, like, be hanging there, and he'd, like, actually come through. But he, I think low-key gets pleasure in pain. Like, he, yeah. I mean, I've been there live before. I saw him once live. I can't even remember who his opponent was. It was this poor, just some poor soul. I saw him wrestle this guy once and he kicked him in the head so hard, so fast. The thing was over so quick. Like he just went out and was like actually kicked some dude in the head. And like this guy did, had no chance, you know? Um, so I'm not saying that's good, by the way. I'm just saying that's low key and everybody knows. But like, but no, but, but no, I get what you're saying. Cause like Finn Balor, even though when he hits it, like you can tell he's taking some steam off of it. The way he's landing, he's like, he like tucks his knees in and stuff. He's, He's trying to protect the people he's landing on, but that's my whole thing. If you're going to do a move like that, you got to at least, you got to at least hit their body somewhere. You can't just, um, dude. Imagine, like, imagine if like, well, you could choose any move, but think of what's the most like impressive move that that you see off the top rope right now, like of anyone that anyone's doing. Maybe like the red arrow from Pack or something, like a black arrow. Um, I always love the Phoenix Splash. The, the Phoenix, Phoenix Splash, Splash is a great move cool too. Phoenix, who, who's who's doing the Phoenix Splash at a high level right now? And Nathan Frazier is doing it as a finisher right now in, in NXT. Um, so let's say Nathan Frazier goes up. Let's say even Tyler Black back in the day in Ring of Honor goes up top for a Phoenix Phoenix Splash, jumps backwards, does the flip, and then just lands right next to his opponent. Like doesn't hit them at all. Just lands right next to him and then pins him. 
that's this that's the equivalent of doing a double stomp and just landing around your opponent like everyone's seeing you not hit anything so and i hope he just stops doing it because like he didn't do it in the nick wayne match he changed his finish for that and i hope that that stays going forward per, uh, you know that's just that's my that's just my nitpick of the week is like if you're going to be a professional wrestler and do moves that are supposed to be simulating fighting you got to at least make it look like you're hitting your opponent to some degree you know that that, that seems pretty fair I agree with you, Jensen. If you're, if you're seeing, it. if you're seeing Punk, just stop doing the elbow drop. Just like stop doing it. Hey, never, never <laughs> happening. He's gonna keep doing yeah, that elbow just... drop until his final match. He's just gonna keep doing it. Yeah, it's never looked good. It's no. never looked good. Yeah. Anyways, we can move on to a, a more relevant topic. But I love you, Swerve. I love you, Swerve. Just stop doing the double stomp like that. If you're gonna do it, hit him. Or at least make it look like you're hitting him. We did get a super chat from our pal Pro Wrestling Podcast. He didn't leave a message, but he just sent us. A oh, super chat. thank you, thank you, Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Podcast. Podcast. Thank you for being a part of the show today. We appreciate it. Uh, lively chat today. We appreciate you guys. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right. Our product is what it is. We are going straight up the middle. Impact anniversary this past what was that Saturday night? Yeah, a busy yes. Saturday night. We had Impact. We had uh, Collision. We had uh, there was a triple a triple mania as well uh busy saturday night but impact slam anniversary a lot of returns steven jensen a man has returned from the dead eric mm-hmm. young is back jake something is back as well um but i, I think the eric young news is the the biggest biggest thing here uh, what, your thoughts on the returns to impact wrestling well i think the biggest return is probably josh alexander um yeah he but he was injured we knew he'd come back at some point. oh sure okay him, as but... far as like people like coming back to the company yeah like, i see what you're saying um yeah so i uh by the way if you want a full review of that show myself and joel pearl went live right after slammiversary right here on this channel so you can see the full review check that out after the spotlight um i uh it was cool to see eric young for sure i mean when you think of eric young i think of impact you know like he's it's not, you know, I, I, I wish he had a better run in the WWE. I'm, I'm a longtime fan of his, and he's a guy I've gotten to see in, live quite a few times because he lived in Nashville when I lived in Nashville for a while. So, like, when I go to, like, Nashville Fairgrounds wrestling shows and stuff, he was usually the main event of those shows and, and that kind of stuff. And he's a really, really, really nice guy. I've gotten to talk to him a few times. Like, just – so Eric Young's a guy that I've, I root for. Like, he's, he's a good dude. He's a great in-ring worker, in my opinion. And he's been, like – seriously underused and undervalued pretty much everywhere outside of impact um nxt had a good run they with uh not retribution with the call group sanity um you know that worked really well until until they split nikki from them and moved them to the main roster but um but yeah it's pretty funny like in canon because in like an impact story deaner literally murdered him in front of everybody like you stabbed him or at least it's heavily implied that he was murdered i guess there was no real confirmation of that um but it's good to see eric young back and then i saw on fightful select that like he had gotten out of his deal and uh the the main reason seems like he just he didn't want to work with vince uh, mcmahon and stuff and which is understandable because you know he probably didn't enjoy his experience with them the first time he was there which you know didn't go great so um so yeah no that would that was cool uh it was good to see eric young back and uh, it was great to see Josh Alexander back as well, of course. It'll be interesting to see him and Alex Shelley for the title, because I'm sure that'll happen soon. Uh, and I'd imagine Alexander will probably get the title back, because he never lost that belt, and he was doing great as a champion while he had it. Um, what was it? Sorry, what was the other big return that I'm missing? Jake something. 
Jake something, of course. And he, Jake something is a guy who like, I didn't, I not really one way or the other. I didn't like, I, I didn't, I didn't expect him to show up on impact, but it like didn't surprise me either. Cause like, I mainly see him popping up at like black label pro shows on the Indies, but uh, I don't see him like as often as I used to, I feel like. And usually when that's the case, someone is signing or is, go- is going to be, you know what I mean? Like if you start, if you, if you see people showing up less and less on indie shows and stuff, you start to think like either they're going to get out of wrestling or they're signing somewhere. And someone like Jake something I doubted was getting out of wrestling. So it was good. It was good to see him in impact. Cause now I know, okay, I haven't been seeing him as much as often probably cause he's been getting ready for this return to impact. And um, and they threw him right into that X Division Ultimate X match, and he held his own in that as he always does. He can he can wrestle any type of style, and he's obviously a big, impressive looking dude. So uh, yeah, it was great to see Jake something back too. He's a guy I've been a longtime fan of, back from his Glory Pro days and and stuff. So uh, so yeah, good good to see everyone who I I think all all the people who return to Impact are people that are actual like valuable assets to Impact. I think Jake something could have easily jumped up and grabbed that X in that spot. There's he jumped up and acted like he could not. <laughs> yeah. I was like, nah, get out of here. That X is a little low and you're pretty tall. I feel like yeah. if you tried a little harder, you could have gotten this. That's thing. a tough spot to be in when you're them. When like, you have to pretend like you can't do something right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, I was happy to see Eric young back. As you mentioned, the FIFO select report of seems like he didn't want to work uh with vince mcmahon anymore because eric young returned i think it was november is when he got stabbed i think the episode aired in december so late last year is when he basically returned to wwe vince came back basically the first week of january when he came back as board of directors and then he slowly pushed his way more in there by april and the endeavor sale vince had plenty he was you know back he was doing creative the the night after wrestlemania um and Eric Young, he was never gone. By the way, people can speculate, say all they want. Vince was never. I mean, gone. like he was maybe not in the building, but like, right. Anyway, sorry, that's a whole other thing. But so go ahead. Eric Young decided, no, not working for this dude. He has his reasons. They're probably all very good, valid reasons. And so we went back to to Impact, and like Eric Young is. That's where they're going to utilize him best. It seems like it doesn't seem like it's it's confirmed. He's doing like indies as well he's taking indie bookings he's going to be at i think revolver they've yeah, announced I him I, mm-hmm. I assume he's going to be announced for for more of these independent promotions as well so it'll be good to see him back on the, the independent circuit dude you know he first you know he'll do gcw too like it'll be yeah. sick like he'll do yeah. it I, he'll have some good gcw matches i'd imagine eric young's like one of the most diverse performers in wrestling he can get he can do comedy stuff he can do serious stuff he can wrestle any style you basically need like just just a very well-rounded performer and so and impact's obviously going to treat him very well they treat their legends like very i mean look alex shelley's their world champion right now love alex shelley oh yeah no problem with him being world champion but like they really take care of these and shell a lot of these feuds shelley feuds macklin feuds josh alexander feuds like they feuded with like ghosts of impact past a lot of times so they they take care of their legends when it when it comes to that so eric young's in a very good position when it comes to uh being back in impact and and josh alexander his return and we knew at some point it was coming he says he's cleared says he's back they'll do the match with uh shelly you know does he win the first match back does shelly get the victory josh alexander a little rusty and then they run it back again i still think there's 
there's still room for this Macklin and Alexander match. I know now Macklin's hurt. And so I think the timelines are just not coming yeah. up for these two guys, but man, they got to pay off this Macklin Alexander thing because that was, that was uh, really good stuff going into the start of the year. And then unfortunately Alexander got hurt and Macklin had to, to beat Kushida to win the title, but there's still, there's still potential for that, that feud in that match. Yeah. The more that I think about it, the more that I think it'll probably be, as much as I, I would love Alex Shelley to continue to be the champion personally, but um, I think that Josh Alexander will probably beat him maybe at like Emergence or like one of these upcoming Impact shows. And then the next actual pay-per-view that Impact does will probably be Alexander defending against Macklin. Would be my my guess. Unless Macklin somehow like beats Shelley back for the title and, they, and like Alexander wins it from Macklin at the next pay-per-view or something. But I, I feel like Josh Alexander is going to have to get that title back. Um to like as a part of the story. I think Josh Alexander will probably get the, the belt back as well because he did not lose it. I just don't, I don't know. You can tell the story of Shelly winning in that and, and, uh, and Alexander being rusty. Yeah, sure. And then Alexander is back to being like the linear champion and has the title and doesn't look like so much. He's not a fluke champion per se. Uh, but you know, when you don't beat the guy who actually held the title, it, it, it comes off sometimes a little, weaker um sure. you know mjf's reign is is everyone loves mjf's reign but like still didn't beat the guy who was actually the champion before everything uh we know the reasons sure and whatnot but like it feels like you need that victory over that person to to really solidify everything and we'll see if uh alex shelley is able to get that over josh alexander or if alexander just beats him and then alexander gets the title back and continues on to his reign yeah uh, my other spotlight, Jensen, is ROH Death Before Dishonor. Did you hear this? Did you hear about this uh, show? Did you know this was happening it's, it's tomorrow, tomorrow night? Tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They they finally announced the main event. It was supposed to be Mark Briscoe. Unfortunately, Mark Briscoe suffered a knee injury. It looks like he might be out the rest of the year, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. And now we're getting Claudio and Pack, which was set up last night at Blood and Guts. We've got Samoa Joe against. Either Dalton, Dalton Castle or Shane Taylor, the winner of their match tonight, will face Samoa Joe. You want a spoiler alert? You want a yes. spoiler alert on that? Well, cover uh, your ears, earmuffs, if you don't want to know who it is. Yes, it is Dalton Castle. Dalton Castle. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh. So yes, yeah, Samoa Joe against that person we just mentioned. Uh. We've got the four-way tag team title match. It's um. Lucha Bros. They're finally defending these titles against Aussie Open. Mark Davis is back, which is good to see. The Kingdom and Best Friends. We have Shibata against Garcia, and we have Athena and Willow Nightingale. Those are the only announced matches so far. I'm sure they'll fill up the card here tonight on Ring of Honor TV. They'll announce like 15 more matches that probably won't have a lot of heat and story behind them, but they'll be on the show, and they'll probably be good matches because all these guys are good wrestlers. What stands out to you on this card, good or bad, Jensen? Um, so honestly, as bad for bad as to me is the is the Samoa Joe ROH TV title match. To be honest, like I'm not a huge fan of the matchup there. I think there's a way, 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 way better options for Samoa Joe. Um, for this is my personal opinion. Um, for the for the um world title, that's really unfortunate because it's pretty clear, in my opinion, that Mark Briscoe is going to become the champion on this show, and like that's. That's a bummer. I mean, obviously, just with the year that this dude has had with losing Jay and the injuries and all that. I mean, that's just, I don't even have words. Like, that. I just, I feel really, really bad for the dude. 
Um, and I hope when he comes back to just put the title on him, like get him back in this position, get it, get the title on him. Cause it makes it, it makes me feel like the only reason he lost to Samoa Joe for the TV title was because the big redemption was going to be tomorrow night winning the world title. See, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if they were going to do that so quickly because Tony on the media call, he wanted to do Eddie and Claudio again, but That's Eddie right. really, Eddie really wanted to do the G1 and Tony even said, like, I looked at it. I was seeing, could he come back and do Death Before Dishonor and then go back and do the G1? But he said it wasn't feasible, which I'm sure it wasn't. Uh, I think Eddie and Claudio, the rematch was supposed to happen here, but Eddie pushed enough for the G1. Tony wanted wanted to allow him to do that. So that that's, I think it was supposed to be Eddie because Mark on television was talking, um, Mark on television was always going after the TV title still. And right. and then it just it switched of, hey, now, because Eddie gave me these words, now I'm going to go after the world title. And, you know, television fans were very confused of like, why he's been pushing for the TV title. That's the title he wants. Why is he now going after the world title? It's because Eddie was in Japan and he couldn't go after the world title. So let's run this video package. So I don't know if Mark was ever going to win the title at well, this show. But I feel like since the match was announced, like that, since it was going to, since it was going to happen, yes. like that, like Mark was going to win. But I think, yeah, but, but, that but I, I can agree with. But but I, I also agree with everything you're saying. Like I think that that wasn't the initial plan, but that's where we wound up. And like if that match was going to happen, I feel like you can't put yourself in a spot where like Mark loses again there. Like, yeah, that you know, I agree. So, with. um, but uh, and then as far as like the rest of the show. I think Athena and Willow is going to be good. Um, I'd like to see Willow win, and maybe they do more with Athena on AEW because I I, I I legitimately forget she's even in the company pretty often. Like, and that's not that's not a roast. That's just because there's a lot going on, a lot of shows, and it is you miss out on people. Um, I think that uh, I think Shibata and Garcia, Shibata versus Garcia is the one I'm the most looking forward to, just as a fan of both guys. I think it's going to be really fun, just a really great, just pure rules match. Um. And uh, yeah, then the only other match we have is the, is the ROH tag team title four way, which, you know, listen, I, I, I don't, I don't watch the, the, um, you got to ban this guy in the chat. Like, I don't know what is a bot. I did. Yeah, no, I, I know. Um, the, uh, but the, uh, someone, I hear something like clicking in my living room now. Is someone in here? Hello? I don't know what that noise is. Is the call coming from inside the house? No, it's not a call. It's like a anyway. I'll I'll look in a second, but um, actually, no, I'm gonna look right now. Sorry, give me just one second. There's like this weird okay. noise coming out of my living room. All right, Jensen is going to attend to other matters. Uh, I will pick up what, what he's talking about. Willow and Athena. I think they should main event. I know they've pushed for it on on socials, um, and I think it should happen. Look, don't, no offense, Claudio and Pack. And that's going to be a great match. I think you can open the show with that sort of how they opened it the, um, last year with, uh, I don't know if it was Death Before Dishonor, but they, when they opened with Claudio and, and Gresham and Claudio winning and they closed with the the tag team title match. I, I think Willow and Athena should main event. It's the match that has the most heat, the most story behind it. All these other matches, there's there's not much to them. I mean, Claudio and Pac was literally set up last night Samoa Joe facing a tournament winner is okay. A four-person tournament winner, fine. Uh, Shabbat and Garcia has a little bit of setup, 
to it uh, because Garcia stepped to him before Forbidden Door. They had the match at Forbidden Door, so I can understand. Um, so I, I can understand that. Oh my gosh! Um, he pulled it up. <laughs> Well, because it clicked. trying to ban him. I know you know you're trying to ban him. I know. Yeah, it's I, very not, stupid. Sometimes we obviously are not. <laughs> no, don't even don't even reference. Yeah. Stop. Okay. Um, okay. So Shibata and Garcia, that that has a little bit of heat behind it because of um, because Garcia stepped to him before Forbidden Door. They had the match at Forbidden Door, and the tag team title match. The Lucha Bros have like barely been on, been on television. Best friends have. I don't think they've been on television and all the open Mark Davis has been injured. Like they've been building up the kingdom for this victory or for this title match. And then they just, they made it a four way match for some reason. Athena and Willow has the most heat, the most story behind it because Athena beat her early in the year. Willow beat her in the tournament. Athena for my money has been one of the best champions, like champions in, in wrestling. Her title defenses, her character, the just the overall work she's been doing on ROH television has been some of, honestly, the best work of her career. Willow, she's got a lot of support. I think this should main event uh, on, on Friday. Yeah, I like that. And the, the only other thing that I wanted to mention about this show with the with the tag team title match is I know that, because uh, like, like you said, I don't think best friends have been on the show, but I honestly think they'd be the best option to win the ROH tag titles because they... I've been day one AEW guys. I think they've been they've been over the whole time as tag teams. They've had really good matches. They just get overshadowed a lot of the time by like Orange Cassidy and some of the other stuff going on with that group. Um, but like it would give them something meaningful to do with the ROH tag titles, and, and they'd have like something to do in Ring of Honor going forward because they're not really on AEW that often. So like personally, I would really like to see the best friends win the ROH tag titles. But I know it, for one, it's weird because like if they haven't been on the show, but at the same time we have to keep it real too. Like how many people are actually watching and paying attention to ring of honor every week on, on honor club. Like, I feel like these kind of sh- like the, like the pay-per-views are more like, like from someone like me, I'm going to watch the pay-per-view, but I'm not going to watch every week. If that makes sense. So like, I think there's a lot of people like that, that are just going to be tuning in just to see the best wrestling pay-per-view that they can watch for ring of honor tomorrow night. Like, you know, not, I don't think they're really going to care about the stories. They just want to see great matches. So I don't think that people are going to like mind if some if a team like the best friends win the titles and they haven't been on the show, especially when like the Lucha Bros are the tag champs and like I don't really think of them as Ring of Honor guys. Yeah, I think of them as AEW guys, not Ring of Honor. You know, so like, see, this is where I would like more of a hard split with Ring of Honor and AEW, though they do they just won't do it because they they want the ROH stuff featured on AEW television to help give that a boost, and I understand that line of thinking but like when you got claudio as the roh champion and he's doing you know blackpool combat club stuff but oh okay let's go to ring of honor and then he's in kind of disjointed feuds for one reason or another i know the eddie stuff was supposed to play in to this so i don't fully fault them there because eddie wanted to do the g1 and everything but like samoa joe samoa joe's like doing seemingly nothing on ROH television, but then he's facing CM Punk. He's in the Owen tournament on AEW television. I would like a harder split on this stuff because I think you can have more focus that way because ROH is just simply put, it's going to take a backseat to AEW. It is. And so if you've got guys like Claudio, Samoa Joe, 
and you want to use them on AEW television, you're not thinking so much about what they're doing in ROH. I think it's worked with Athena because she really hasn't been on AEW TV. She was in the Owen and she lost, but at least that set up this Willow feud. At least that set up this Willow match. You know, Samoa Joe lost to CM Punk. That ain't setting up nothing on ROH television. That's not doing anything. So with Athena, though, it's worked for her because, again, she has just been ROH. She's not really been on AEW television. Should she be? Yeah, probably. But she's not. And it's worked for her and really helped her get over more in ROH. And I would just like to see more of a harder split on that stuff. That's why I think the Kingdom would probably be the, the best option to win the ROH tag team titles because they're not really on. They're pretty AEW. much ring of honor only. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You put best friends on there. Best friends keep taking L's on AEW TV. Like it, and they're going to keep like, they're, they're at where they're at on the AEW pecking order. If you put the ROH titles on them, I don't know if that means they move up in the AEW pecking order, but I don't may, or maybe you just keep them in ROH. Maybe you just have them more established in ROH. And I'm fine with that. I would just like to see a more established split between ROH and AEW to put more focus on the actual ROH stuff going on. And it's not as disjointed with the ROH AEW stuff. Yeah. I'm with you on that hundred percent. Um, so that's the ROH pay-per-view. And when you, you talked about like people are going to order this for great matches, like, yes, but like you can see great matches every single week on television. Nothing on this card is like, like Shibata, like there's good matches, right? I'm not trying to say like the, this will be a bad show. Like these matches sure. are going to be good. There's a lot of great wrestlers on this card, but I'm not, if, if I'm just a casual fan, I know ROH, they ain't really casual fan type type of things. Like you're either watching the show or you're not. Um, but like, if I'm just looking at this as someone who didn't have to cover it, but still like kind of watch it, I would not be super sold on this show. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll check out the matches I need to check out, but they've done very little, to hook me as a fan of like, oh, this is a must-see match beyond, hey, this will be a good match. I need a little bit more. That's just my perspective. All right, let's move on to our indie spotlight, Jensen. I'm going to give a big motherfucking shout-out. A big motherfucking shout-out to one called Manders winning the SCI 2023 tournament. Jensen, I know this is your your home base here when it comes to the, the Southeast scene. So, what can you tell us about Manders and winning this tournament, what it means for him? So it's the SCI tournament every year is my, it's the tournament I look forward to the most every year in all professional wrestling. Um, it's the Scenic City Invitational Tournament. It takes place out of like the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, Red Bank, Tennessee. They did it out of the TWE arena. And um, this, I mean, it's just, it's a tournament that's, it's very prestigious and it goes along with the, the um, Action Future Showcase tournament, which happens the same weekend. And like, just to give you examples, like some of the future showcase winners, like Manders had won the future showcase before uh, Marco's son had won the future showcase before um, over on uh, the main, the main uh, tournament guys like AC Mack, Jaden Newman, Matt Riddle. Like there's been like a lot of like really big winners of the SCI tournament that have gone on to do like a lot of big stuff in wrestling and Manders to my knowledge is the first person that's won the futures and also has won in the main tournament now. And uh, to get there this year, Manders had to beat Noah Hossman in the first round. And then he had to beat um, Sawyer Wreck in the second round. And then the finals is a, is a four-way elimination from everyone who's won their matches up to that point. And Manders uh, had to beat Adam Priest, Darian Bankston, who's the TWE champion, and Landon Hale um, to win the whole thing. And 
uh, just really, really happy for Manders. He seems like a really good guy. Um, I got to watch him live in Southern Underground Pro back when, like, he was really first getting his start. And, like, he was a guy who was one of those legitimate, you know, just showing up, trying to get a spot, helping out with the ring kind of guys, just, like, hoping to get booked. And um, now he's winning, you know, major tournaments. He's a part of the second-year crew. He's a part of MLW. He's obviously a major part of GCW. He's been for a long time now. So, like, Manders is really uh is really he's doing great work. He's a great professional wrestler, in my opinion. He's very he's very legitimate. He's an actual cowboy. Like he's an actual dude out in like, you know, uh out in like the Midwest. I think he was in Iowa, but like I I I you know, he's actually you know, he won the SCI and then he's tweeting the next day that he's out on the farm, you know, with like barrels of hay and stuff or whatever. You know what I mean? Like the guy's he's the real deal. Um, and it's good to see him get some shine individually because so much of it you see with like the second year crew, like this was cool to see him himself, just the one called Manders getting it done in the tournament. Um, and then he cut a really great promo afterwards. He, he, he gave a speech to the crowd and he's just very humble. Um, and if all goes as planned, I don't like to say this stuff out loud before it happens, but the plan is for y'all to hear from Manders on next week's show. So the plan is to interview the one called Manders and talk about the SCI win, talk about the SGC, talk about GCW, MLW, a whole bunch of stuff with his career. The plan is to have Manders on the show right here next week for y'all for the interview for the spotlight. So hopefully that all goes as planned because I'm really looking forward to talking to the guy. Um, and congratulations to Manders for winning the Senior State Invitational 2023 tournament. Yes, big, big congratulations to, to Manders. And Jensen's been killing it with uh, booking these guests for this show. Uh, we've got really great lineup coming up for, yeah. for everybody over the next next few weeks. Um, but as far as Manders goes, like I'm, I'm obviously familiar with his work from GCW and Second Gear Crew and everything. I know he's been kind of knocked of like uh, sort of a Mance Warner knockoff. And I know like they're kind of like in the same group. Go ahead. Yeah, what I was about to say, yeah, they're 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 buddies like they're, yeah they're, they're partners yes they um, should be kind of similar in some way right right, right. like yeah. I, i've seen that knock on him and like yeah they're they're in the same group the the manders the mance type of thing i i think like i was confused when i first started seeing him pop up i was like wait a second is this uh kind of the same person or is this a different person type of thing uh because mance mance warner would just go as like mance and like oh, one called manders mance. yeah mancer oh uh, mancer. so it, it, would, it would confuse me a little bit uh different people uh different oh, yeah. styles but also kind of kind of similar styles um but yeah good good win for for manders and good showing and now we will see what he does moving moving forward i know sei is a very big thing in the uh you know in the southeast region and everything so it's a it's a good platform for, for him to hopefully boost boost uh, his career a little bit. So if you want to hear more about the SCI, check out the weekender from this past week. I, I cover the I cover all of it. The whole both SCI shows and the action future showcase. Give you all the results, all the finishes, everything over there on the weekender. So check that out over on Fight Select. There you go. Uh the other indie spotlight, my indie spotlight, Stephen Jensen is Isaiah Broner winning the IW AIW, sorry, uh AIW absolute championship from matt cardona matt cardona's reign finally comes to an end broner gets a victory as you would expect in in these matt cardona matches at when at aiw a little overbooked and whatnot but the end saw broner overcome all of it and win the title i'm very happy for isaiah broner who's he's been on in the weeds uh before he's actually on in the weeds after he won the the gold rush tournament uh to earn this shot 
and Matt Cardona. I think this guy can, can be a big time player. He's got a great look, got a very hard hitting style, uh, very humble individual as well. Big win over Cardona. Like I think he's, we, we love Josh Bishop on this show. I think Broner is mm-hmm. like at the level of somebody who can like be the face of AI. Yeah. Isaiah Broner is the man. I mean, we talked to John Thorne about him a while back too, you know, and something I always say about him is just authentic, just believable. Like you say, Isaiah Broner, he looks like a dude can kick ass. His ring in ring style is very in your face, straightforward. Just hits nasty lariats and stuff. It, you know, I, I did. I did. I really like his style. Like I like his vibe. Everything. I. I. I he's. He is a star. I. I do like Isaiah Broner, Broner a lot. Um. Also, shout out to Wes Barkley, who won the absolute title. Um. Or sorry, the intense title. Yeah. Um. Uh, on the same show, and he's. He's. And, and on the same show, Joshua Bishop defended the Juggalo Championship Wrestling cha- uh, Championship as well. So, but yeah, the main event. It was. It was really cool to see Broner. Um. Become the champion. Um, and there was a lot of storyline involved there too, like you said, with the being you know, overbooked and whatnot. But it, it made sense because like PME came out, they hit. I think their finish was Sunset Dreams. It's like the it's like the 3D flatliner thing that they do. They um they hit that because they 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 took a lot of strays for Cardona over like the last you know year plus. Like they they were the guys basically getting beat up for him over and over and over again. They finally had enough of it. They turned on him and they laid the the stage for Broner to hit that last lariat and get the one two three. So. Um, yeah, shout out to Isaiah Broner for, uh, for when the absolute intense wrestling championship and, uh, he's, he's the right guy. Like, I mean, Bishop's been there, done that. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that he, he shouldn't be the champion at some point again or whatever, but like, it was time for someone new and someone to beat Cardona for that. Like it really put someone new over and Broner's the right guy in my opinion. So yeah, we're very happy to see that happen for him. And you mentioned our interview with, with John Thorne, which was over a year ago now at uh, at this point. Um, and he talks about Broner. Like, he got the match against Suzuki. He got the match against Eddie Kingston. Like, clearly they've been building Broner. There's a lot of trust in Broner. So, yeah, very happy to, to see him get this title in this position. Uh, Angel Chris says, uh, appreciating the discussion of all promotions. Hey, that's what we do here. We, we like covering Every Thursday. Yep, WWE, AEW, and then we covered the other stuff that maybe don't get as much love on the main channel on Fightful. So we try to cover a little bit of everything. And we also cover action figures and toys, Steven Jensen. And I know you have to run, but go ahead and do the plugs and also set up this interview a little bit. Yeah, I got to clock in for the shoot job. I'm already late, but they can deal with it if they're seeing this. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore and uh, yeah, follow, uh, make sure to uh, subscribe to Fightful Select while listen to uh, listen to the Weekender podcast if you like all uh, stuff from all promotions, especially the independents. Um, this interview right here from Jeremy Pidauer is incredible. He's the chief brand officer of Jazzwares. He's responsible for the AEW figures. He's responsible for the old WWE Jack's Classic Superstars line. Um, and they have the IP for a lot of big stuff like Roblox and Fortnite and Pokemon. I mean, this 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 guy is the man, an actual legitimate legend in the action figure game. Um, and Jeremy, if you want to tee up the interview even more after I bounce, feel free to. But I think you're going to really enjoy this interview with, uh, with Jeremy Fidauer. I got to bounce and clock in. It was good seeing everyone in the chat. Good seeing you, Jeremy. And um, y'all will hear me next on Sunday for the Weekender podcast over on FightfulSelect.com. There you go. Thank you, Steven Jensen. As always, enjoy the rest of your day in your Cody gear, as I'm sure you'll be taking calls and hopefully he just woes at people as they come on. All right. As Jensen mentioned, we have a great interview with Jeremy Pedauer, who uh, you know him from Jazzwares. He 
where they do the AEW figures. He was a big, big part. I mean, really, he, he talks about it in this interview. He helped like launch WWE figures as well and, and turn that into you know what it's it's become. Now they have their deal with uh, Mattel. Uh, he actually praises Mattel in this interview. He's like, I'm not trying to give too much praise to Mattel, but he does enjoy some of the, the work that they're doing with Mattel and WWE. Uh, not only does Jazzwares do AW figures, they do Roblox figures as well, and they do Squishmallows as well. He shows off a uh, giant strawberry Squishmallow at the beginning of this interview. And my, one of my children, this is one of their Squishmallows. This is the famous, famous in this household, anyway, the famous Penguin. Uh, are you probably the most famous person in this household? If I'm, if I'm being honest. So this is Penguin, one of the Squishmallows from from Jazzwares that uh, Jeremy Pedauer has helped create. Uh, everyone can say hi to Penguin. Everyone can show Penguin a lot of love. And now we're going to get into our uh, beep. Now we're going to get into our interview with that's that's Penguin speaking to everybody. Penguin appreciates all the love. Uh, we're going to get into our interview now with uh, Jeremy Pedauer of Jazzwares. Hope everybody enjoys it. Welcome to the Creator Spotlight, the interview portion of the Spotlight right here on Fightful. I am Stephen Jensen, as always, joined by Jeremy Lambert. And our guest today is the chief brand officer of Jazzwares. He's an investor. He's a collector. He's a legend of the fig game. And he's also Logan Paul's Pokemon guy. We had a lot to talk about today. <laughs> Jeremy Pedauer is joining us. Jeremy, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining. What's going on? I'm so happy to be here with you guys. The, the, I'm here with the real Jeremy, Mr. Lambert, and Steven oh. Jensen, the legend himself. So this is good. This is good times. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for Already off the bit. bat with the brownie points. I yeah. appreciate it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for joining us. I, Jen, this is a Steven Jensen special right here. You see all the figures lined up behind him. And uh, I was collecting figures when I was very young, and we were talking a little bit off air. I have, I have kids now, and they have no interest in the wrestling figure stuff. But they're like the Squishmallows and Roblox guy. That's who you're talking to. This is, this is what we're interested in. You mean, you mean the yes, Squishmallows? Hey, that's Absolutely. a giant one too. Look that's at that a big thing. one. Yeah, man, chocolate dipped strawberry Squishmallow right next to me. <laughs> well, just to start off, I mean, it just. Because we're so there's so much we can talk about. Swishfellows right there. I mean, y'all have the IP for like massive stuff. I mean, Pokemon, Fortnite, Roblox, AEW. Um, the Squishmallows, though, similar to Jeremy, there's a girl that I know that has like a little nephew, like uh, he's probably like five, six years old. Once again, no interest in like in wrestling, but the Squishmallows are huge. And I've been seeing them in like the malls and stuff. Uh, what's it been like with like that taking off and Jazzwares in general? Because y'all are still like a fairly new company, but like guys yeah. with a lot of experience, you know, obviously doing this together. Oh man, it's been it's been a great five year run, that's for sure. So Jazzwares is the fourth largest toy company now, which is uh remarkable. But uh the the path to get here was an entrepreneurial path. So uh, about 11 years ago, myself and, and, and a couple partners started a business. Uh, eight years ago, uh, Jazzwares and a private... We bought a company that owned Squishmallows together, and it has just been a rocket ship. Um, sometimes entrepreneurship is really hard. And it takes a long time to grow and to become viable. And I, I remember someone who had had success in business tell me, you just need to have a break followed by a bigger break. And I was like, damn, I can't even get the first. Where's the first break? 
but it's amazing. You know, it's amazing. Uh, a lot of resilience and things tend to come together. A few things came together and, and, and yeah, Squishmallows has been uh, absolutely phenomenal. It's been a phenomenon. What about just like you in general, like getting into this world and becoming who you become like, you know, Jeremy I mean, Bauer is a name that, you know, if you collect really any of the things we're talking about, you're, you're, you're even once again, in, in the, even like the hype beast YouTube world, if you go and you watch Logan Paul buying Pokemon cards, you could see Jeremy Fidauer right there. I mean, um, was this, cause I know you're obviously like, you're a big collector yourself. You're yeah. an, but on top of that, like you're an investor, you're into like the graded stuff. Like you're really deep into this world. NFTs, like really everything collect collectibles. Is that really how it's always been for you? Is like, you yeah. were always a big fan of this and just became like your life and your job and everything. Yeah. So I grew up in the deep South. I didn't have connections. Grew up in a very middle-class family, not a kid that had like a college fund lined up for me or anything like that. But from day one, I was collecting. Uh, my brother's 13 years older than me. Uh, that my parents were teenagers when they had him. And uh, basically, he heavily influenced me when I was a kid. He just he took me to flea markets. He took me to uh, places where I could, you know, buy things for a buck and then, you know, see things being sold for three bucks down down the way. So from the earliest time, whether it was coins or stamps or baseball cards or whatever it was, I was always excited and into collecting. So for me, it was natural uh, as I got older to always resonate towards it. And uh, when I was in college, I started creating a series of websites and gamed Yahoo. So Yahoo, the search engine, was a super dumb algorithm. It was simply if you had two letters that started with A, you would show up first on their search. So I created a series of websites called Absolute Beanie Babies, Absolute Furby, Absolute This, Absolute That. And after a few weeks, I had thousands of people coming and streaming through. So that was the very first opportunity in my early 20s to, to really monetize my love and joy for collecting uh, as a business person. And I followed that trail. I, I, I finished grad school, went to Mattel, went to another company called Jax, and then started Wicked Cool Toys, which ultimately became Jazzwares. And it's just been a that is the fastest summary of my career. And we can deep dive <laughs> into that. But, man, well, it's been a lifelong. As you said, it's been a lifelong pursuit. There's no doubt. Where, where does wrestling mix into this? Like as like a fan and as a collector and as someone who makes these things. Because also, I mean, people have to know this. You mentioned Jax. I mean, the classic superstars line is like one of the most iconic. I mean, you're involved Thanks. in so much that's like, because I mean, if, for, for people who are in the know, the AEW figures very much feel like an extension of that line. And like, it's yeah. something that I think collectors were, miss, were missing for a long time. So I was 29 years old and I was at Mattel. And uh, I got recruited to go to Jack Specific to head up their boys entertainment group. And 29 to head up a division is quite good. But one of the reasons why I was an ideal candidate is that I had toy brand management experience and I was a big wrestling fan. And a big wrestling fan because I moved eight times by the time I was 13 all over the South. So it's a perfect marriage when you live in the South, especially Mississippi, Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, all those areas that I lived in. Wrestling over indexes and permeates, especially regional wrestling, because why you don't have Major League Baseball. You don't have the NFL, but you have these bigger than life, super heroic personalities that would come through town and establish themselves as the professional athlete of the area, not just a professional athlete. The professional actor, the professional stunt person, the professional athlete, the professional everything. So I'm 29 years old now, and I had this life, 
you know, I had this childhood with wrestling and I had toy experience and I had a little bit of internet experience doing stuff, got recruited to, to Jackson. You know, one thing at the time is that it was about two and a half years after the attitude era. It was 2002, 2003. And the toys were treated as toys up until that time, up until I jumped in the wrestling game. It was all about who's the latest guys and can we put a cool feature in there? And is there a way that we can sell to kids? During the Attitude Era, things, as you can imagine, were blowing up. But a few years past the Attitude Era, things had simmered way down. In fact, sales of toys were so far down that we were about to get pulled off the shelf at Walmart. And Target was really questioning whether they wanted to be in the wrestling game at all. Um, those were the two biggest players at the time. Toys R Us was always committed, but they were taking very small business. And so was KB. So... 29, big fan of wrestling. And I said, you know what? I have an idea. Why? Because I was a baseball card collector, a card collector growing up. And I loved the old alumni. I loved the superstars of yesterday. So I believed if we treated the toy business like a collector business, that we could actually create a significantly larger uh, opportunity, despite the fact that the ratings may be lower. So I had the opportunity to sit in front of Vince McMahon. And I said, uh, Mr. McMahon, 29 years old, uh, I said, uh, I, we're having challenges in the toy business. I was like, but I have an idea. All right, tell me the idea. Let's hear it. You know, let's, let's hear it right now. And I told him, I said, it, it involves bringing back the alumni. In, in, and I have an idea for a name called Classic Superstars. And I showed him the first wave. And the first wave included Ultimate Warrior, included Bret Hart, included people that were not traditionally in the entertainment. And when Mr. McMahon says that if it's good for business, he'll do it, he actually means it. Because no matter what was going on between those guys, he actually greenlighted it. So as long as I could go and sign these characters, we could do the deal. And, uh, it, you know, it began from there in 2003. Wow. Not, yeah, the, go ahead, Jeremy. So were there challenges? Because as you kind of mentioned, yeah. it's like Ultimate Warrior, Bret Hart, weren't on the best of terms with WWE at that time. So were there challenges like getting them to, to sign anything here? It was, it's amazing. You know, one thing I can say about toys is that toys are like the great calibrator of adults and other human beings in general, you bring toys into a situation and you can solve a lot of the world's problems. I, I'm convinced I'm convinced because you're so emotionally attached to your childhood and you're so emotionally attached and you want the best thing for children, right? I barely meet anybody in this world who don't want good things to happen to kids, okay? The worst of the worst in business, still, if you give them a button to push, they're going to push, yes, we want good things to happen to children, okay? <laughs> they don't Maybe they don't care about adults so much, but that's just the truth. So <laughs> sitting with Mr. McMahon and talking about the Classic Superstars line and, and the concept of saving the business and the concept of growing the collector business, but at the same time, making there be a place for kids to go to retail and find WWE and wrestling figures. That was, a, that was compelling for him. Here was the challenge. And what, and what he, what he, you know, posed to me was simply that, listen, if, and you know, he said to me in his own voice, if, you know, if WWE ever wants to do an alumni association, which is, you know, today, as you can see, they really do leverage the alumni a lot and, you know, under the legends deals. But if they ever wanted to do it, how could they let me go rogue and sign individuals? Okay, so that was the first challenge. And luckily, I had enough 
legal knowledge and background to say, how about this? What if we sign them, we pay them a minimum guarantee, and we make it A, non-exclusive, so that they're not locked into us and only us forever. But B, if you sign them, we lose the rights, but they're fully paid by us, but we gain the rights from you because you're the licensor. So that solved the problem with WWE. WWE looked at it and, and, and Vince McMahon very specifically deemed that to be a appropriate solution. But then on the flip side, the question is, how do you get Ultimate Warrior and Bret Hart and all those guys on board? And the way we did it was simply making some phone calls. And uh, it was a lot of fun finding agents and finding family members and finding all the folks. And look, when you're 29, it's amazing how much energy you have. I mean, I'm, I'm almost, I'll be 50 in a couple months. And I will tell you, my energy level is much lower. My experience level is a lot higher. And, uh, but pho- phoning in 100 phone calls to professional wrestlers is not like number one on my list right now. But at the time, it was awesome. It was like the only thing I wanted to do. So calling Ultimate Warrior, befriending him, and assuring him that, you know, A, there is an open playing field here, no matter what's happening from a legal standpoint, no matter what's happening from a conflict-oriented standpoint, and then doing a deal with him that was creative because he was a very good business person. And what Warrior said to me was, look, I'll do it, but I want you to make me some very limited edition exclusive Mm -hmm. figures that I can individually sell. And those have become legendary in and of themselves. Bret Hart was just, it was easy. It was very easy, just a phone call, uh, understanding and explaining the situation. And and he signed on. And most of these guys did. Fascinating, fascinating group of individuals, these guys. Unbelievable. Speaking of that Ultimate Warrior, is that one that you Kyle Peterson has one of those from you, right? Is that is that one of those? I know he has he has a he has a figure that has like a, like a letter next to it from you, like authenticating it. And I don't know <laughs> if it's that one that you're talking about. Well, yes. Yeah, so what happened was we did several limited edition warriors. One we did a couple we did for New York Toy Fair, and that was really to kind of introduce the idea of classic superstars. And the buyers would come in, and then we did a special event for guys that had like. Uh, it was pre-podcast, so maybe they were writing for a magazine or maybe they had a newspaper, but but we were like handing these out and people were like, their minds were like melting. You could see like their brains seeping out of their ears. They were just like blowing up in my, and I, I was just like, this is incredible. But yeah, that that's how, the, so that was one of a hundred there, but yes, Warrior, we did it several one of fives and maybe a one of 10 for him. And, you know, he would sell them for thousands of dollars each course it didn't cost us very much i mean we just created the sample and of course it was fully approved by wwe and everybody was on the same page nothing was done under the cover of darkness everything was totally ethical and and uh if i sign something saying something was authentic it's it's authentic that's sure. that's my take on it absolutely you, you're you know who i'm speaking of when i bring up kyle peterson you know yes you know okay okay he's, he's, a, he's a youtuber that like i watch this stuff all the time and he's he's always bringing up the the pinless joints on the aw figures he, he never yeah. shuts up about the pinless joints i never even <laughs> knew what those i never even knew what that was until he kept bringing it up i was like what what even and then i'm like this isn't even a big deal like this isn't like a big deal at all um can, can you speak on that by the way just because i'm thinking about it like is that because they don't the supremes don't have them right or yes. they have but they have the pinless and the others have the pins right here, I've got a Supreme yeah. right here. So go. I've got a Ray Phoenix Supreme. And if you look at the joints, uh, what you'll see is there's no 
there's really no pen whatsoever. Okay. Right. And if you look at the joints of a traditional AEW figure, um, I guess it just depends on which one. Honestly, yeah, you can't even see. Them. Yeah, you can't even see it. That's all right. Listen, I, passion is the best part of this. And it's what's yeah. so exciting to me about the entire wrestling figure game is that there's a community within a community here. And people are as passionate about the wrestling figure business as they are about the wrestling business. Um, and, and for me, it's been great because it's, it's turned me into the niche of the niche of the niche known in a particular area, which has been fascinating and awesome. I've loved it. Well, I think, I, I think the first time I ever heard your name spoken was through um, Cardona and Myers. Like it was, yeah. like, it was those guys, like they were you know, talking about you a lot, especially around the time that the AEW figures were being uh, like conceived. Um, yeah. Speaking of, you know, kind of the challenges and in, in, in putting together everything for classic superstars, what's it like, I guess, in comparison, like if it's similar or like way different doing like Jazzwares with AEW and then on top of that, like, is there the opportunity similar to what you were just talking about where if there was like a performer not signed to AEW that wasn't signed anywhere, like, is there some potential yeah. there to, to do like AEW Jazzwares style figures for them as well? Yeah. So first I just want to say, uh cardona myers those guys they've brought so much legitimacy to collecting uh and it's been something that i think the entire community has benefited from their hard work you know you can have people work on the video game side and they get all they get heralded with all kinds of positivity you have somebody doing something on the action figure side and you know for a while there it was considered a little bit more nerdy or a little bit more niche. And I think, I think they changed the entire perception of that. You know, uh, the, the, the whole idea of the 40 year old virgin, uh, you know, from, from back in the day, that's done. That's over. Comic-Con went from being niche to being mainstream and beyond mainstream. It's like, you have to be there now if you're trying to sell something meaningful. So we're really, I mean, for me, from the bottom of my heart, those two guys and, Smart Mark and 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 all those guys uh, mean a mean a world to this community and mean a lot to me personally. Um, now that means that I've completely forgotten the second. Oh part. no, sorry. No, no, I'm glad. That I'm, <laughs> thank you for saying all that though, because they're to be honest, like watching those guys because initially they were doing their show on like the WWE YouTube channel before they had been released, and then they brought the whole thing over with like their their shoot names. And around that time, I remember like. I was in this position where I was like trading in a lot of my old stuff that I didn't need anymore. Well, they got even action figures, just like stuff around. And I started going to these places that had like old figures. And I started thinking like, Hmm, I really, I used to collect the Bendoms. Like I'm starting to find some of these that I'm seeing around. And I used to collect these and that. And um, and so I started getting into it and I started seeing Cardona and Myers and like their videos and this whole community around it and stuff. And it was, that that was for me too, is that that was a big thing of getting me really deep back into it. Um, Yeah. The second part of my question was about the relationship with Jazzwares and AEW yes. and like the, and if, if it's possible to go outside of AEW to bring talent into the sign for, for the figure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so there are t- two parts. So when we did this with WWE 20 years ago, it was a very novel idea. Uh, in fact, it had never been done before uh, really. I mean, maybe on very small scale and certainly Mr. McMahon had never, approved anything like that but the timing was perfect and there needed to be a catalyst within the business to drive it okay uh 20 years later it's interesting because it is a proven 
pattern of business. And um, so there are more uh, alumni that are signed to deals. Um, I think AEW would be fine and very much open with us doing this. But I still think that we're still driving the basic concept of AEW as a brand within wrestling uh, and making sure that that in and of itself is situated well at retail. And we came out of the gates on fire and we've been doing quite well. Uh, and we manage retail very closely. So even like, I'll give you one in September, we're literally going to go into retail, remove old figures from the shelf and replace them with new figures. And you know what? That's extremely unusual for a, for a manufacturer to do that. Usually they just let retail choke on something for a while, but like we believe in AEW and we want to keep that. We want to keep variety at retail and we want to keep this thing flowing. So to answer your question, yes, I do think it's viable. It's different now than it used to be because it's much the cat's out of the bag, let's just say. So it's a little bit more nuanced and maybe a little bit more difficult to put together a program that's viable, but it can be done. And I think AEW would be totally up for it. And most importantly, uh, we just want the AEW figures themselves and the talent within AEW to just have a nice, easy flow at retail, which you, you, we've had and you're going to see, uh, especially going into the fall. I want to ask about the uh, LJN deals because when yeah. this came out, everybody was very excited when the AEW LJN figures came out. So how did that partnership come about? And then the, the second part to this is how do you decide which wrestlers actually get the LJN figures? You know, we're just, we're doing very few of those, right? So it's like every other wave and then it comes out in, in, uh, in uh, the, uh, the unmatched uh, wave. Um, uh yeah, look, it's it's one of those things that we tend to focus only on the very, very top of the card talent for LJN style figures. And so you're, you know, likely going to see maybe the top 15 uh, pro wrestlers uh, within AEW get one over the course of time. Um, but we're opening up an e-commerce uh, business as well. And so it does give us more leeway to sell more and go deeper into the roster, even on the LJN figures. And so there is that opportunity. Uh, the LJN brand, interestingly enough, was owned by Chalkline. Uh, and those guys are super awesome to work with. So we reached out, we did a deal, and, uh, and, that's, and that's how the LJN and some of the wrestling buddies came about too. Can, can you speak at all? Not that you probably don't want to, honestly, but like the Darby LJN, the whole yeah. kind of debacle with that. Because I own the figure. I was looking forward to it for a long time, but it was that was that was just a strange situation, it felt like with the delay on that. Yeah, I mean, I think in general there there was I'm trying to remember what was the specific delay on Darby. Was it the was it the size of his of where how he was positioned? He didn't fit in the box. That was a speculation that I was seeing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. So I've my mindset was I wanted all the LJN figures to be the exact same size as the original LJN figures. Okay. And I was pushing the factory really hard on that. Uh, the first figure that came out, the Cody um, wasn't of the same scale as the original LJN. There was a bit of a miscommunication internally. They did everything they could to live up to what I wanted, but in doing that, it, it, it was weird and it just simply didn't fit. 
And we learned one very important lesson, and that is once you choose a uh, footprint at retail, and what I mean by that is once you choose a box size, um, you can't have one box that's outside of the range of that box size, or it screws up the entire planogram at retail. Mm-hmm. And so that that's really the basis for that. And, uh, you know, I'll take accountability on that one. I think it was a scenario where I was pushing really hard. Everybody wanted to... to do do everyone wanted to deliver to what I was saying. And then at the end of the day they did, but then the box doesn't fit. And it's just, uh, you know, not, not my best moment, but it's definitely one of those things that um, I think you, you use that as a lesson and move forward and do it the right way next time. Well, I appreciate you like giving an answer on that. Cause you know, it was, it was just like a weird scenario as fans. Cause like we were all waiting for it to come out and then like no. it didn't come out and then, but Hey, but I, I have it. It's sitting in my display. I got my whole wall of exclusives over here next to me. So it's all good. <laughs> Um, good. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, and um, I, I forgot to ask you this when I when I just thought up about the po- possibility of unsigned talent with like the relationship of New Japan and AEW and Forbidden yeah. Door and the crossovers. Like, yes, is there going to be New Japan figures, or can you talk about that at all? Uh, if I could talk very freely about it, I would. Um, it's it's a little bit outside of my domain to give or speculate specifically. I mean, let's put it this way: I'm going to talk less as an action figure manufacturer and i'm just going to talk more as a uh fan for a moment and say all of the things that you're seeing in terms of aew breaking down forbidden doors and and working with uh other and legitimizing in a way uh on local uh, uh content distribution other uh major alliances is next level thinking Okay. And fr- frankly speaking, as a fan, uh, it's awesome. I love seeing that. I'd love to see more of that. It's like, uh, why not? It's great for the business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it only makes sense that one extension of that would be in consumer products. It would not at all surprise me uh, if that happened, um, but I can't confirm it. And I only can speak about it in that kind of manner. That's fair. That's fair. Are you, are you aware of the the market for custom Will Ospreay figures right now? Uh, I I am aware of, of customizers and the amazing work they do. And I've seen people pay hundreds of dollars for a great custom. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine that that's probably following the pattern. Yeah. I just, I bring that up because I've seen, there's this guy out there who's putting out like, I mean, there's these things are selling for like four to 500 bucks right now. And he's cranking them out. And I'm just like, if you guys would just make their own. They could they'd just be theirs. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> well, you know what? Look, I, I will tell you that, that, uh, I'd love to do that. Um, I would not be at all surprised if we can figure out a way to make that happen. Awesome. Well, the last question I have along those lines is about the Supremes. Um, yeah. can, do, can we still expect like CM Punk Supreme, Young Buck Supremes and yeah. like kind of in a timeline on those if possible? Yeah, you can absolutely expect that. And, um, we should be cranking those out, you know, especially with e-commerce and especially with the relationships that we have with people like Ringside way more often. So maybe cool. four to six styles a year or more. They're, in my opinion, they're the best figures on the market. They're, they're Thank you. They're, yeah, Thank incredible. You. incredible. At the Ray Phoenix right now. Thank you very yeah. much. How, how, and I guess one more follow-up to that. How, how, do you, how do you determine what's going to be like a Ringside like exclusive versus just like a regular release? So I've, so I've known Jonathan for 20 plus years. Okay. So Jonathan Pankowski at Rainside. 
And uh, he's, you know, obviously created a beautiful business. And we go back all the way to the earliest days. Okay. He was a kid. Uh, he was uh, in college. And uh, back way back in the day, I basically told him, I was like, look, if you are willing to dedicate that, if you're willing to turn this into your career post-college, I'm willing to dedicate. Um, they bought the message boards, the, uh, the, uh, oh God, what is it? Uh, wrestling figs, message boards and, and all that dude, he crushed it. It was brilliant. So cut to 20 years later and, um, and now we're doing AEW, um, because there's such a close relationship, essentially the way it works is we just go to them and say, look, tell us the top eight things that you're looking for. And if they're not otherwise part of our line, um, you know, and sometimes when they even are part of our line, we'll do the right thing from a partnership standpoint and we'll reallocate certain things to give them a great uh, lineup because we want a healthy ringside collectibles. Uh, healthy ringside collectibles is great for for everybody. And, and it's great for the wrestling figure game in general because n nobody's been more consistent than those guys from a retail standpoint uh, with wrestling figures for this period of time. They've been awesome. I don't know uh, if this, I, I believe it's a ringside collectibles exclusive, but the dog collar with, with CM Punk and MJF, yes, this yep. is, yes. So, so that's a, that's a big one. And on the point of that is AW still a relatively new company. Like this is their yeah. fourth year going into it. And so they don't have like a, the ton of memorable moments that like a WWE or so, or someone has, but they, they're starting to create those memorable moments. And I don't know yeah. if this is a, a, a ringside collectibles call or your call of like what memorable moment, memorable match, memorable face gear is like, Hey, let's turn this into a figure. And so I guess two parts on this is like, is that your call, their call? And then second part is like, is there something that stands out to you of like, Ooh, that's a good figure right there that's something we want to do down the line yeah yeah i mean generally speaking uh you know we try not to be dictators okay so we'll we'll establish what we think is the best line and then we'll have a two-way conversation with both aew uh from a licensor standpoint because ultimately they have to approve the stuff that we do they have to look at the sculpts and the deco and they have to look at the lineup and everything else um but also with um with a retailer like ringside you know we it's a, as far as we're concerned you know some manufacturers see everything as a one-way thing not for us it's two-way it is a two-way street especially when people have so much data and information um and and that's really the way it works like with a with a ringside collectibles we'll sit down we'll say here's here's what we have coming out um here's a few ideas for things that we can do with you what do you got and we'll sit down and negotiate it we'll hash it out like a you know, like like you might do uh, in any scenario that you're making stuff for somebody. But um, in terms of what makes a great moment, you know, it what great what makes a great moment in the moment is often very different from what makes a great moment moment in retrospect and the way something is kind of marinates over the years. Like I can't even imagine that. Um, oh gosh, not you know this is a function of being uh, almost fifty years old, but. But when we did the classic superstars uh, character of the guy that fell through the screen uh, back in the day. Shockmaster? on uh, Thank you. Yeah. I don't, uh, listen, yeah. the, fact, the 
fact that I'm blanking on Shockmaster is pathetic, and it means I'm probably only doing this for a few more years. But yes, dude, so Shockmaster. Funny. I'm going to tell you, there weren't 17 people on Earth that would have bought a Shockmaster figure 10 minutes after that right. uh, broadcast. Not 17, maybe not 10, maybe not three. Okay, but by the time we're doing Classic Superstars 15 years later, uh, that was one of the moments that was like a meme moment where people were like, oh, yeah, we want it. So it is amazing what happens over time and the terms. Yeah, some things are obvious. Some things are super obvious. You know, if if you have a major championship match and there's blood and there's a, a, a championship change and there's a moment of iconic moment where one person is victorious and the others lo- like it's easy. It's easy. But when someone runs towards the ring and slips and falls under the ring and (laughs) blasts through a stage, like these things tend to get better and better and better over time after percolating a bit. Well, that's something that, you know, another thing I want to give you all give you all credit for is the blood and guts line that Jeremy's referring to. That's another just I, I like just I love that that exists in the figure space. It's something totally different that, you know, for like the older collectors and even for the kids, like they'd want to reenact that match. Like what better way? I used to color all over my figures. I'd take red marker and color all over them because you know, they didn't have blood on them. You know what I mean? So like now you got the real deal. Dude, I um, did too. I did too, except I wasn't using uh, LJNs. I was using uh, GI Joes and renaming them as wrestling figures and my Star Wars figures, um, which is, uh, you know, which is what you had to do before you had, proper wrestling figures yeah absolutely something else i wanted to give y'all credit for that i wanted your your mindset on here is the the idea which i know that people really appreciate is the way that you've made these figures to where you can like pop the torsos and everything off so easily to like customize your own figures um i guess can you speak at all to that or is that just kind of the mindset is like collectors are going to want to do this let's make it easy for them so they don't have to do it all these steps to like if they're going to pop the heads off these things and the arms and shoulders and stuff like let's, let's just make it easy for them yeah, I think I think that part of it is that part of it is from a QC standpoint. Sometimes when you do that, it makes something safer. Sometimes it makes something uh, harder to actually break um, when there's when it breaks away. It's a good point. Uh, but the other benefit of it is certainly something that was in our mind that resonates. We we do want people to be able to do what they do once. Like, look, once a figure is in your possession. And I used to, I used to like, I was shocked that Mark, Matt Cardona would do this, but like he bought all the classic superstars and then let them breathe, right? Busted them all out of package, which I thought was crazy as hell. He spent probably $20,000 breaking figures out of package, but you know what? It made for great content. And uh, it was, uh, it was a great moment. And like that, that's the way I look at it. If you want to, Break them apart, mix and match, customize, bloody, blow up, whatever it is. It's your figure federation. It's your fantasy land and world. It's your content. Go, go do what you're going to do. Yes. One, one line where I don't know if you could do that um, is the, the bone crunchers. And oh, uh, I love bone nowadays, so, like, now, is there any possibility of doing like an AEW bone cruncher line? Sure. Absolutely. Maybe we'll start on it like right after this call. It's such a good idea. Ooh, yeah, wow, I love that'd, be, that'd be so cool. <laughs> Dude, so back in the day, 
I'm, I'm, you know, been doing this a long time, right? So we did a lot of things also that didn't work. Like, I don't know if you guys remember face flipping fighters. Remember yes. those? Yes. I remember like the Power Rangers that would do the head flip, but I don't think that's something different than what you're well, talking about. The, the fact of the matter is 3% of the people that listen to this will actually remember face flipping fighters. But there were two things that we tried that were kids oriented at the same time that we were trying the classic superstars to appeal to adults. Um, the adult one worked and, and the rest is history. The wrestling figure business is primarily a collector business today. The kids business didn't do so well. One was face flipping fighters, which was basically you push the legs together and there'd be a flip from like a happy face to a really pissed off face uh, that may be super red. And like, so anyways, there's a lot of things that you can kind of like <laughs> deduct from those types of things, but I don't want to get into it. And then the other was something called pump and flex. Now pump and flex was the biggest POS of all time. Okay. And I don't mean like point of sale. I mean the dirty part, dude, it was, you would, you would squeeze it and the, the chest would come out and to this rubbery substance, making it look like you've like totally flexed out. Right. <laughs> and the problem is the rubber after about 12 months would start to disintegrate. And so even at retail, you'd like have pump and flex looking like a saran wrap on a, on a piece of chicken. Uh, and so what I'm basically saying to you guys is it hasn't all been, peachy we've made plenty of mistakes over the years but all in all like when you get it right you focus on what you get right you use that thread and you run it and when you get it wrong you go to retail you pay them what they need to get paid to get that stuff off the shelf so that you can open it up to sell some good stuff and that's generally the way it works but um i think my favorite sort of unheralded figure assortment of all time and i'm trying to remember what it was called whether it was un was it was called unlimited but it was like an end. It was like a. I remember, it was unlimited. Again, I've done so many lines over the years, but that's one to look up as well. That that worked okay. It wasn't like a slam dunk, but it was a lot of fun. Well, a line that I think is going to be a slam dunk is when y'all start putting out those Ring of Honor figures that y'all have been teasing. That's yes. very exciting. Um, has, has the feedback been, I mean, it has to have been like overly, uh, overwhelmingly positive, I'd imagine. Cause these are, these are figures for, these are talk about moments and characters and figures and stuff that we never thought we would get for the last 20 years. Listen, I am so psyched about ring of honor and, uh, AEW psyched about ring of honor and our team psyched about ring of honor. We're going to do a, uh, phenomenal job with that. And, um, you know, the extensions there are interesting because you talked about, the idea of doing, you know, authentic legends and, you know, AEW's relatively new organization. So like we did the Owen Hart, which was awesome because it was bringing somebody back after 20 years, but 25, but you couldn't do it as authentic as because, you know, the original gear may be associated with another um, association. Uh, but if you do some of the classic ring of honor stuff, that's a whole different story. So it really opens the door for us to do some really cool, not just present day Ring of Honor product, but historical and bringing back characters that, you know, in a very authentic way. Yeah, that, that first really... Brian Danielson Ring of Honor yeah. uh, figure is, I'm sure you're going to sell very well and is definitely one that I will have my eye on. Our design team rocks. Uh, <laughs> they really do. 
Yeah, absolutely. How, how do you know, by the way, that like, I'm sure there's like skews and metrics and stuff involved in this, but like, how do you know, like for sure, if a figure is doing well, so, you know, like I want to make more of like this person or we maybe shouldn't make as many of these because they didn't do as well. Like how, how do you kind of judge that? Well, there's, there's several ways. Um, you know, one is instinctively, you kind of have a sense as who's on the top of the roster um, and who's in the middle of the roster and who's on neither. And if you're, if you're managing it right, you can go deeper into the roster by affecting the amount of product that's going out. So if you have an assortment uh, of six pieces in a master carton, maybe um, a C-level character shows up once every two or three boxes. So one of every 18 figures, whereas an A-level character might be two per box. So there's ways that you can game it going in uh, to shipping. Um, but ultimately... You know, you never know for sure, and and tastes vary over time, and excitement varies over time. So what I like to do is I like to undership in general, and I know it's very annoying, but I will tell you this. It's better to have a shelf that is empty sometimes than it is to have a shelf that has the same figures on it for a year. Right. That's the worst for a collector, the worst. Uh, so anyways, uh, number one, you can game it. Number two... You can gauge it because you can see the point of sale information. And, you know, every one of these action figures has like a mother number on the box. So you can see it either on the UPC code or otherwise. And but a lot of them also have baby numbers where you have individual numbers for each character. So when beep, they go across the sales, uh, you can see the data. So I can see, oh, wow, Darby's selling a ton of figures. And Schmarby is not. And so right. less Schmarbies and more Darbies. <laughs> well, I mean, it's good that there's all those trackers and metrics now, because I'm sure you've heard the stories back in the day. You buy these, you buy probably any of these WCW figures behind me. They probably rang up as Hulk Hogan back then. So. <laughs> oh, I can tell you why, by the way. Yeah, yeah if you'd like to explain. <laughs> yes, please so, do. <laughs> so, and all right. So this is not about those WCW figures or any figures in general. I'm not casting any sort of negative spell here. But I can tell you that one thing that bad actors can do, and there's nobody that I know of today that uses this, but back in the day, I knew some folks that would occasionally, is if you had S excess stock, okay, and, it's, and, and you know, your characters are tied to a particular number, right? But if you had excess stock, yeah, just shove the stock into a box where that said Hulk Hogan from a mother number, even though it said another name on the box itself, and you're able to sell some additional product in the marketplace. It's horrible. It's a horrible practice. But if you've ever seen that sort of thing, that's one potential explanation as to why. That's very interesting. Yeah. Oh, this is fascinating. I, yeah. I do want to, I, I want to follow up on, you mentioned on Jensen asking like, who do you kind of decide to, to sell and things like that? Yeah. So very famously, uh, Cody Rhodes had about 18 figures come out <laughs> and, and Britt Baker had zero figures come out and she made it no secret that she was displeased with how many figures Cody was getting compared to her. How much of that was reality and how much of that was her playing kind of just into the online persona here? Uh, well, for the basis of this, I'll say it was 100% reality. <laughs> uh, was she calling you every night of like, why is Cody getting another figure? What are we doing you know here? Let's put it this way. Early on, especially when you launch any action figure line, 
you really, you have to be very careful. You have to be very, very, very careful. And, um, you know, I, I really believe that, especially in, during the six, first six months, we, we undershipped pretty significantly because we didn't want retail to choke on product and then to turn on us very quickly, which they will do. I mean, they, you can be off the shelf in two seconds. Um, so we, we, if, if I had it to do over again, I'd have had Brett in, you know, wave one, but the, the truth of the matter is that's, that's not the path we took. And we, we waited too long. It, I wish we'd have had her out before. Um, playfully, she wanted to kill me. Um, <laughs> in reality, maybe she wanted to kill me. And in fantasy, she definitively wanted to kill me. Uh, but she wasn't the only one. And I've, all, I've been on the hit list of many, many uh, very strong, very athletic people over the years. And uh, I will uh, always be on their hit list. And that, I'm okay with that. Now, speaking of the, those early run AEW figures, you know, my honestly, probably my favorite. You can, it's hard to see with my camera, but I've got, I've got all of Series 1, Version 1 signed behind me here. And that's nice. like one of my favorite. It's like they're kind of the centerpiece of really my collection, honestly. Like I, I love love that first line. I'm a, I'm a Cody Rhodes mark. So like anything Cody, I'm, I'm all about. And speaking of, and this is another question. I don't know how much you want to talk about this. I don't know how much there's honest, like, I really don't know, but like my, my grail figure is that first series Cody Rhodes with like the Star Trek style shirt and everything. That's like become super, super valuable. Yeah. Pretty much impo- but there was yeah, a very I, I short gave time. Mine away. I gave mine oh, away. That, oh. that, Yes, oh. I, I I was trying to get some Twitter followers or something. Uh, oh it was so goodness. stupid. I was like, you know what? What is it selling for now? Thousands of dollars. Uh, thousands, yeah. Thousands. Okay, great, great. Um, <laughs> and, and 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 to tie into that, there was a short time where they were being sold for a hundred dollars. I believe it was high spots was selling them for a hundred dollars, and it was like a really short time thing. I couldn't afford it at the time, and it was like this really crazy thing because it was like the only time I've really seen anything like that happen, where it's like. I know that obviously shop AEW does theirs. I buy all those. That's super easy. Just, you know, when they're coming out and you go on, you buy them. But there was this like this one day where like these Cody Rhodes, the rare Cody Rhodes popped up online for a hundred bucks. And I was like, I was so confused by it. And I really, I'm kicking myself that I didn't buy five of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So did you, do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't, but I can, I, I can explain it. I think. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes when you make super limited edition product, you ex- the way you describe it to the factory in terms of the way it's distributed is like this. OK, I'm going to I'm going to use some arbitrary numbers. OK, but you say to the factory, OK, wave one, we're making 50,000 figures. OK, of those 50,000 figures, we're making 500 figures that are these very special limited edition figures. I don't want all 500 to show up in the same shipper right. where one store blasts them out and they find a bazillion of them. But what I do want you to do is for every hundredth figure that you ship out until you get rid of all 500 figures. So a hundred times 500 is 50,000. Okay. So for every hundred, I'm going to ship out one of these special Cody Rhodes figures. Okay. And then what happens is in a perfect world, after 50,000 figures have shipped out, boop, 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 99, 100, bam, the Cody. 199, 200, bam, the Cody. 299, 300, bam, the Cody. Ideally, 49,999, 50,000, boom, Cody. All right. In reality, what happens is 
99, 100, Cody. 199, 200, Cody. <sighs> All right. I'm going to put – I'm just going to do one box. I, I exhausted. I'm going to do one box of Cody's. I, that's my best guess is that occasionally I'm, and or it could be more less like that and more like, okay, we've shipped out all the figures. We still have seven Cody's sitting here. What do we do with this? There's an order for the first wave. Just ship that. And somebody just gets really, really lucky. It's either yeah. a situation where you've really given some very detailed instructions and someone decides in the middle of the night in a country, 6,000 miles away, to deviate from those instructions or it's a scenario where you have some stuff that's left over and they box it up and ship it out and someone gets really lucky. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. It, Cause just in my own experience, kind of like paying attention to the scene as stuff pops up, I'm in a bunch of like the Facebook figure groups and, and all that stuff. And like, um, it seems like it kind of goes in waves. Like you'll see like a lot of people all at once be like, I found a chase. I found a chase. I found a chase. And then like, it'll, you won't see that for a minute. And but it's all, it's almost like it goes in like cycles and waves almost, but, but that's and, very fair. And I think that that has a lot to do with what I'm saying. Right. Best laid plans, uh, really basically turning into something where somebody is making it a little bit easier on themselves and just kind of shipping it out as a box with a bunch of stuff in it. Cool. Got it. Uh, my my last question. You've been very very generous with your yes. your, your time of tonight. Of course, we'll you, you guys are awesome. Much uh, I'm, honored is, be, I'm honored to be here, guys. Honest, I mean, like anytime. So, oh, Thank we you. we really we really appreciate. It. I know Jensen specifically can probably just ask you a million million more questions. Yeah, I got I got, I got I got like one or two more. That's it. Like, <laughs> no problem. No problem. Like, yeah, yeah. Cool. My my <laughs> last question on on the wrestling side of things is: Is there a figure that is almost a white whale of like, I've never done this one. And this is what I always wanted to do. Yeah. Owen, Owen was at the top of that. Okay. Because in the classic superstars assortment, I talked to his wife for, you know, 10 years and we just couldn't get there. Um, it just, you know, it was, it was, it was really hard for very clear reasons. And there was a lot of respect. Martha, you know, is a phenomenal individual, um, top notch, uh, we just couldn't, we couldn't get there. So the fact that we got there with AEW was, had a lot to do with Chris Jericho and Tony Khan and, and, um, uh, Martha, uh, and, um, interestingly enough, also, um, uh, my, my good buddy from, uh, dark side of the ring, uh, Evan, uh, there were, there were a lot of players that came together that, um, that made something like that possible where we were connecting the dots. Um, so that fell at the very top of the food chain. You know, for me at one point in time, doing a Jerry Lawler uh, uh, two-pack um, with um, um, the comedian... Uh, Andy Kaufman? Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah, that was another grail for me. And that we did that with classic superstars. Uh, Ric Flair was my favorite growing up. That was another grail for me. So some of the grails we were able to do, you know, some we weren't. Uh, I personally, and I'm going to put over another company and, you know, that's fine. Cause I've done this a long time, but I, I love that Mattel is doing the Muhammad Ali figure that I, I love that. I actually yeah. I have to say, I have a ton of respect for that move. That's a, that was a solid move. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think that there's just, there's certainly some, some, uh, opportunities out there, but, but Owen was a big one for me. I'd love to do Owen in some real authentic gear. That would be cool. 
Um, that actually ties in with the next question I had, which is how did you link up with Logan Paul in the Pokemon <laughs> world? And also, what do you think about his figure? Because I have it here. It's it's I think it's an incredible they did a great job with yeah. this thing. Great job. I mean, it's no uh you know, it's, it's no, no it's no supreme. I know, no, no, no. We're not, we're not getting crazy. I mean, listen, WWE fan creation ultimates like that; those are cool, but they're no supreme. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm just messing around. I just, I can't say too many nice things about Mattel in in one sitting. Okay, one, one, one a show. That's it. Um, um, yeah. So Logan, Logan reached out to me, um, uh, during COVID, early during COVID. I was being a very vocal Pokemon collector. And what had happened was, you know, originally when we sold Wicked Cool Toys, you know, we sold a lot of it and I retained equity in the in the larger organization uh, as well and stuck around. But one thing that I wanted to show and demonstrate to Pokemon was that I'm in this for the long haul. I, I don't sell and run away. Um, I, 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 that was never my objective. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like money. It's great. It allows you to do things that you never expected to be able to do. And, uh, like I said, you know, I didn't have a college fund. I didn't have a lot of stuff. So, uh, I was pretty much happy. Um, but I'm glad, but I didn't want to run away. So I made it a, uh, and I very publicly said over the next, you know, year, I'm going to spend a million dollars on collectibles, on collectibles that I love uh, and kind of fulfilling a childhood dream that I was certainly never, ever able to do anything like that before. So one of the things that I focused on was Pokemon. Um, and I bought some amazing vintage Pokemon product before everything blew up in a positive way. And uh, so it turned out to be a good investment, too. But along that path, uh, Logan Paul sent me a text. and He was like, hey, I love what you're doing. Um, let's talk. And we got to know each other and we had a lot of, uh, shared objectives when it came to our collecting. Um, and then one day he sends me another note and he's like, Hey, what is the, what is the grail? What is a single grail? The single number one, what is the Honus Wagner PSA eight? What is the 1952 Mickey Mantle PSA 10 tops pop three? What is the you know, 1982 Hulk Hogan PSA 10 doesn't exist, by the way, wrestling all-stars. What is that item? What is that item? And I said, well, I said, there is a population of one, uh, 1997, 1998 Pikachu illustrator. Uh, it is uh, PSA 10. I said, it is the grail. Uh, there is no other grail quite like that. And uh, we talked about it for about six months off and on. And I happened to know the, the very private person uh, that uh, owned it um, in Dubai. And that person in Dubai, uh, you know, I think everyone assumed that he was, you know, maybe a sheik, uh, like of untold remarkable fortunes. And I will not deny or confirm <laughs> I will say he's an awesome guy, like a really cool, down-to-earth, everyday person, whatever his background is. And um, I, uh, I reached out to the guy. And I, no, the first thing I said was, like, I make Pokemon stuff. I don't want any part of this deal. I don't want a commission. I don't want a damn thing. I just want to be part of history. That's all I want. I want to be around it. 
It makes me so excited. It's everything I ever wanted to be. Let me be a part of this. And I made that clear because, again, it goes completely against my objective of showing that I'm not opportunistic. I am a collector. Yes, okay, stuff will go up in value. And one day when I retire and I'm no longer part of the Pokemon universe, I'll sell stuff because I don't want to anchor my kids with stuff that they don't understand. But I'm not trying to do that right now. And so uh, Logan uh, and I talked about it. I reached out to the guy. The guy came back to me um, and essentially said, you know, he would do a deal for $6 million. And it was kind of as a very large sum of money. Okay. Now that, that sum of money though is not out of bounds with the highest end of card collecting. A couple of the cards that I mentioned before, a PSA 8 Honus Wagner, uh, the original Honus Wagner, the PSA 10 Mickey Mantle, um, those are $40 million cards now. Okay. Now I'm, I'm going to draw a, a parallel on those cards. Those are $40 million cards. That's a guarantee. Like if they said they would sell it for 30, I would put together a fund and I would contribute a large part of that fund to buy it at 30. That's how I know it's worth 40 because right. I would contribute to a fund at 30. Okay. All right. So enough of that. I'm proving the <laughs> point. So $6 million is a lot of money. Okay. It's more money than I would have ever expected to see in my lifetime. That's for sure. And uh, so you got to respect it. And I, I went to Logan. I said, look, I said, it's a ton of money. And he's like, takes a deep breath. He's like, okay. He goes, I want it. I want it so bad. And he said, is there any way I could trade a PSA 9 illustrator? Because there are a few of those. uh, And give him money. And I went back and essentially a series of conversations. And uh, the guy said, yeah, you know what? I'll take $4 million and a PSA 9 illustrator. Talk to Logan. Anyways, we go through this whole thing. About six weeks later, I get a call out of the blue. Get on FaceTime. Get on FaceTime from Logan. I get on FaceTime. And he's smiling and he's holding a PSA 9 Illustrator. (laughs) And I go, no effing way. No way. You're doing it. This is insane. And uh, so I, I then linked the two of those guys together. And I exited fully expecting that that was about as close to this as I was going to get. And I go to dinner and I get a text from Logan and he basically says, hey, man, he goes, I want you to come to Dubai with me. And I said, I, you know, this has been a year and a half ago or two years ago. I said, I don't think that you really want a 47 year old man in your content. I said, I don't think I'm good for your content. And he goes, no, you don't understand. He said, you're a big part of the story. He goes, I want you there with me, please. And I was like, all right, I'm coming. So I booked my ticket. I booked a first class ticket with my own money. I booked the Burj, you know, the, the one of the best hotels, period. Uh, I blew about 20 grand and uh, and it was the best 20 grand I've ever spent, to be honest with you. I loved it. I stayed out all night for three nights in a row. And by the way, they were like, you can really hang. And you know what the truth of the matter is? I just never acclimated to the new time. So there was no hanging. It wasn't about hanging. It was just simply a guy that's old that never never reconfigured myself. I got home, my wife's like, dude, you're like, you're like on the time zone. I'm like, yeah, I stayed up all night every night. It was the best. <laughs> night. Oh my gosh, that's, that's, such an that's a long story. That's a long story, but that's that's essentially how it came together. For that. That's that's amazing. Now, one one other question I had about Matt and Logan and his figure. Now, 
I don't think it's something that's possible, but I feel like you're the only person in the world I can even ask about this. I would take this question seriously. Now, you have the IP to Pokemon. Yes. They cannot use the Pokemon Illustrator in Logan's figure. He has a blank space where his card would be. Yes. Could you theoretically make unrelated, really small Pokemon cards that you could potentially, hypothetically, put into one of those? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now that that is very clever okay because then you'd get an authentic card to go with an authentic figure yeah um so here's the thing so pokemon pokemon is incredibly uh long uh they they make decisions based on a long-term decision sure okay and um as their toy maker we kind of know our place in the world. Okay. We make plush things and plastic things. We make role play things, but we do not make cards. Right. Because that is their domain. And I would never in a million years even approach them with it <laughs> because I never want them to think of us or me uh, as encroaching upon their primary business. And that's right. just the, that is, that is a absolute truthful straightforward answer uh yeah it sounds really cool and if i could just sort of wave a magic wand uh there'd be be kind of things like that happening but but you know what you got to respect first of all pokemon saved my career um you know we we had we had created a new business and and you know like i said you need a break and then you got to have a bigger break well you know my break was Pokemon coming to me and saying, you know, we love the way you manage the business and, you know, you guys are very small, this company that you created six years ago, but we actually think that you can launch us, relaunch us globally. And it was right before Pokemon go. Uh, And uh, that was a miracle. Uh, And that had a lot to do with, you know, they say, okay, karma, right? So everyone's like, is karma real? Maybe karma is real. Maybe it's not real. I'll tell you how karma is real. Karma is real for sure in that we all have memories. We all have memories about the way we work together and how we, we deal with one another. And some things go in the bad bank of memories and some things go in the good bank of memories. I banked a lot of good memories with those folks. A lot. A lot of respectful, good, ethical memories. So it all came back later on in this opportunity. That was the break. And that just blew up everything in a positive way for me. So I will never do a thing. If, if someone told me tomorrow I had to spend 100% of my money to protect the relationship with Pokemon, I'd probably do it because it means that for me I'd have purpose and I would uh, have longevity getting to work with them more. That's how much I, I care about that. Of course, the second big break was everything that happened afterwards with the sale and then, uh, and then Squishmallows. And then the one thing we haven't touched on is that last October uh, we have a new sheriff in town. Warren Buffett bought our company. Right. So Berkshire Hathaway came in. And how about that for a remarkable, outrageous turn of events? So I've talked to your ear off. Uh, I hope that's okay. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. This is like, yes, I love this. I mean, I, I, I got a couple more than these are going to be fast answers. You can even get everyone on these. Go for it. This is unrelated to anything else we've even talked about, but I'm, I'm a fan of yours. So I know weird things. Would you put, <laughs> would you, would you, would you put, would you put any, is there even a number that you could put on your Michael Jordan, LeBron James error card? Oh man. All right. 
So here's here's the number. You ready for the number? The number is don't buy stuff with other people. That's the number. Because when you buy stuff with other people, no matter what it is that you want to do, you are only part of a group. And so, yes, there was a number. And and the number that we got was one twentieth of the number that I think it should be worth. Did you sell it? Sold it. Oh, I didn't know you sold it. Okay, I didn't yeah. know you sold it. Okay. Yes. If it were just my card, uh, no, the number would have been uh, impossibly high. Okay. I was just in I, I did not know that you sold that card. Uh, Jeremy, just so you know, he, Jerry Padauer had this. It was a. It was a error card where the front of it yeah. was LeBron James's rookie card with a yeah. Michael Jordan back on it and Michael Jordan's name on the front. It was like the most bizarre error card ever, probably. Impossible card. And and my buddies at Upper Deck, when I showed it to them, they were like, this is crazy. This, I mean, it's real. It's bizarre. The best thing that we could potentially come up with is it was a test run and that someone just palmed it at some point and it's kind of found its way into the universe. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it, sometimes things can be so rare that it's hard to establish a value to the level that you would think that something might be worth. And that's kind of like a situation like that. There was nothing that you could possibly compare it to. Sure. I'll say that. I, I'm looking up uh, just, just a photo. I don't know if this is the real thing or anything, but I don't know if I'd ever let that go. That seems like. Oh, trust me. You, you have the two greatest basketball it. players of all time. Like both numbers on 23. That was probably part of it, too. I like know, but here's the thing. If you buy something with two buddies, right? okay, and I have no problem with with those guys. I, I love those guys. But if you buy something with two buddies and two people say they want to sell something, you sell it. That's just the way it works. Uh, if you buy it with one buddy and you're stronger than them, <laughs> are these people fair, still fair. your friends jeremy this, this yeah, is 100 percent. Would... <laughs> okay. no no friendship is worth uh at this point in my life maybe at one point i would have you know i would have had a sore spot there's no friendship that's worth an amount of money for me none sure nice that's oh fair. that's very, very heartwarming this, this is absolutely my last question for you let's all go right. all right here we go <laughs> this is once again completely unrelated and this is because once again you're very forward thinking you collect everything you you're, you're you're thinking in the future with all this stuff right just yes. just just shoot it to me straight just give me a real answer here during the pandemic did i waste my money on dave and buster's nfts <laughs> <laughs> oh man so i'm so look i don't want to disparage anybody but I, but Here's what I will say about NFTs. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna t- listen. You know the answer to that question. I, yeah, you? they're valueless. <laughs> in fact, in fact, yes, they, they probably. <laughs> okay, NF. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing about collectibles in general. Okay, when you have, and I'm looking for a trading card. Oh, you know what? This kid made me a made well, me. A look, tra- yeah, that thing exists, right? Like, okay, so th- yeah. this is not real. Some uh, a kid made this for me. It was very sweet. Okay, oh, that's so, awesome. It's very a cool. it's a 2001 Jeremy and Pikachu first edition. <laughs> oh, okay? That's awesome. So uh, this is one of the greatest things. So I keep it in my office. Okay. So now let me just say this. Okay, in defense of the concept of invisible objects having value. Okay. Sure. Um, this for let's just say for a moment that this is worth a million dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now. There have been pieces of paper that are worth a million dollars. In fact, I 
demonstrated one that sold for five. And I've communicated to you that there are some that sell for $40 million for real. No doubt about it. I know it would. Okay. In our imagination, this is one that would sell for a million. But the physical paper here may be worth three cents. It may be worth a penny. And now it's got writing on it. No one could ever use it again. So what is the real intrinsic value of this little piece of paper? It's very low. On the other hand, you have this invisible thing that has no intrinsic value whatsoever. So really, this you accept is worth millions of dollars. And this seems like it would be worth nothing because you can't see it. So I have mixed emotions about NFTs. The problem with NFTs was not in the underlying concept of value. The problem in NFTs were the number of rug pulls and fakers and bad actors and really, really poor, poor, ethical, bad things that that happened in NFTs. Yeah, they were just... the, The beauty behind physical cards associated with licenses is that there's a gatekeeper, the licensor. And this gatekeeper will make damn sure that year after year, whatever the card is, whether it's magic or Pokemon or Topps baseball or whatever else it is, has a system of collectability that will stand the test of time. It's like a social contract between the manufacturer and the consumer. And, and we feel like we have a social contract as well when we're making our action figures, right? Sure. There was a lack of social contract when it came to a lot of the NFTs and there were no controls. So yes, Board Ape came out and, and CryptoPunks came out and there was some rarity to it and it was very cool and unusual. And yes, being a part of the club actually came with some benefits and maybe you could get to go to a party, et cetera. And that was okay for a moment. But then six months later, there were a thousand of these clubs. And then six months later, there were a million of these clubs. And there were a lot, there was so much bad behavior and it all imploded. My take on it is there will be a day where these invisible objects have some value recreated in a whole different way. And with long-term protections, um, I have a lot of thoughts about it. I have a lot of thoughts in terms of the way you could even establish a business around it. But right now, 99.8% of the stuff in the marketplace is complete trash worth nothing. uh, And they've earned it. Bad, bad actors. I'm not saying Dave and Buster's falls into that category. No, understood. No, 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 Dave and Buster's <laughs> over here on this show. Um, but, no, but, um, but I am saying that that is, that's just the reality of it. There's yeah, um, of that was by far, hands down, the most logical explanation of NFTs I've heard anybody explain. Like, I mean, so I'm glad that you thank you for bringing all that up. And hey, listen, the way you explained it too, maybe like 20, 30 years into the future, I do. Not without even knowing it, I do kind of sort of own part of Dave and Buster's, you know. So like maybe, you know, maybe yeah. you know. Sometimes the best thing to do with some of these some of this crypto is like just forget your password and come back to it for a few years later to see what it's like. <laughs> yes, exactly. you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to tell you a business plan, and maybe somebody on this here's a free business plan for somebody. Maybe somebody on this will make it work, and I hope you do. In fact, I hope that you know, I, I everybody I meet, I hope is does something that that fulfills them and gives them purpose and gives them a great life. Um, But the thing that's missing in the NFT universe is that when you invest in something, um, you want to have a return 
some sort of return. So if you invest in a stock, you're investing in a stock because you want the company to be profitable and that they divvy up that profit in, in, in distributions or they retain those earnings and they become more and more valuable as an organization. Um, alternatively, you want to buy an experience. You want something to happen. You want to be a part of a club where only you and your other holders can experience something real. My belief is if you created a community where the idea was there's profit sharing, meaning that whenever these things sell, everybody in the community also shares in the profits of these things. And so if they go up in value, you share in the profits, just like in a traditional business. And 90% of the value that's coming in to the creators is distributed back to the people with experiences. If you could do both of those things and make it very people-centric, then you have something that I think actually will have value and really interesting. Other than that, there's so much crap. It's just complete dog. Yeah. You can curse. You can curse. (laughs) It seems literally Uh, literally called shit coins that people invest in. I mean, like, it is what it is. (laughs) I mean, so, um, yeah, Jeremy, I don't know if you want to last the one we always ask. I mean, it's a tough one. Oh, we have to. Not like Jeremy. I mean, this is. Go go do shoot for it. So we ask, we ask everybody this, and you've already shown us uh, some some very awesome collectibles. But we ask everybody the coolest thing you have in your room. Oh well, so <laughs> so the coolest thing, so the coolest things I have are in a vault. Okay, and and that's, that's just, a flex. That's a huge flex right there. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's self preservation, just in case anybody wants to check out where I live. But the coolest thing I have are in a vault. That's just the truth. And and for me, probably one of my coolest things is a first edition, first print Harry Potter, one of five hundred, that is in pristine condition. It may be the best copy in the world. And uh, I when I bought it, I paid the most ever paid for a modern work. Um, and it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. And, uh, and, and look, I say that and keep in mind, I already disclosed to you that I said I was going to spend a million bucks because I was trying to show my, my partners how much I'm in this forever. But that Harry Potter book, like, look, 20 years ago, I remember reading those books with my wife, right? We, I never read, I can barely read, to be honest. I sat there with my wife. I read all those books. Those books are incredible. So having the opportunity to buy the pristine copy it may be a flex. It's also the truth. And it is 100% not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That's fair. Well, you, That's again, fair. you've already shown us some very cool yes, things. Uh, just in your, in your, I assume office that, that you're in. Right yeah, I'm now. in my office right now. In fact, you can kind of see, you know. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Other stuff going oh. on here. Very cool. Look at all that awesome stuff. Jeremy, thank well, you so yeah, much. We've taken way too much of your time, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for, for My sticking pleasure. around for so long with this us. This was a blast. And thanks for everything that you guys do. You guys have truly, again, you've, man, I got to tell you, as a kid growing up, if there was only, if there was only like media like you guys covering the fight game, covering all of it, it, it just, it just makes it better. You, you make things better. You, you extend the content. You extend the fantasy. You extend the 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 fun of it. And thank you for everything that you do. 
thank you again thank you for for everything you do i know when the aw deal was announced everybody was very excited about that and now they are are big hits uh jensen again has the entire collection behind him there and i'm i'm not the figure collector that i once was i will say it's around here somewhere i have the orange cassidy figure that is one of the best figures uh i've ever gotten my hands on especially because you can put his hands in his pocket which absolutely (laughs) rules uh so yeah that's when that is one figure i was like i'm going out of my way i gotta get this orange cassidy figure (laughs) when the danielson roh figure comes out i'm I'm snatching that thing immediately as awesome thank you again for everything that you do let everybody know where where they can find you out where they can support you out well, first of all, Jazzwares. So Jazzwares is the company, and you can find us everywhere, everywhere you want to look at Jazzwares. And for me, um, Twitter, it's, I think it's at JeremyCom. Instagram is at Jeremy Padauer, P-A-D-A-W-E-R. And I just, you know, sometimes I talk about collecting. Sometimes I talk about the stuff that we're making at Jazzwares. And sometimes I just lament or, or troll. <laughs> just, you know, what can I tell you? Jerry, thank you again so much. All the links are in the below in the description, by the way, on the video, folks. So everybody go can just click there, go to where you need to go, whether it's following Jeremy on uh, Instagram, Twitter, any other social, or checking out the Jazzwares websites and you know, supporting everything they do. Because it's not only wrestling, as we talked about a little bit, the Squishmallows, the Roblox, the Pokemon. I got a Fortnite. The kids are going to bug me Coco to go Melon. on this website. Coco, there you go. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, the kids are like, I oh, get this, get this, get this. Like, all right, all right, calm down. Okay. Thank you again. Jay. We really so appreciate much, it. Guys, we will be right back here on the. We are back. Big thank you to Jeremy Padauer for getting very gracious with his time. Very gracious with his time. We recorded that last Wednesday, not last night, but the previous wednesday is when that interview was recorded again big big thank you to jeremy padauer if you are a figure collector if you are into any of that type of stuff hopefully you got a lot out of that interview all right everybody we will be back next week with a brand new episode of the spotlight covering WWE, aew and all the promotions across wrestling New interview, as Jensen mentioned, we hope to have one called Manders on the show next week. We have a great lineup of, of talent coming up uh, in, in the coming weeks. They've already, we've talked to them. We got them booked. You know, sometimes plans change in wrestling, but so we got them on the schedule for right now. We're like five weeks out on our schedule for interviews. So very excited. Cool things happening here. Trying to boost the, specifically the independent and concrete content creation scene here on the spotlight all right everybody uh don't follow me on twitter keep follow keep following fight talk underscore on twitter and we got go check out fight over booked uh fight over book go check out it specifically in the weeds because that's my show and i want to promote that uh but go check out all the other stuff that we do on fight over booked as well coexisting with rob and maggie uh fmc should be back next tuesday i took this week off that was on me traveling and, and whatnot um all, all the other show new episode new episode of new japan bread club is up now uh loving wrestling with uh tom talks rubbish talking about talking about uh talking to different content creators about why they love wrestling a lot of different stuff over there on fight over book so go check that out fight we'll be back next week here on the spotlight 9 30 a.m eastern thursday talk to y'all then goodbye everybody
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.